God himself could come down from the heavens and be like, Rose, you need to move, hon. And she'd be like, sorry, no. Rose, your husband is up here with me. She'd be like, no, he's he's, he's here. Yeah, you're lying. You're yeah. lying. You're a liar, God. Hello and welcome to Our Lost Podcast, brought to you by the Aficionados Podcast Network. My name is Robin Jeffrey. I'm a 23-year-old actor and filmmaker from Alberta, Canada. I like brooding anti-heroes and feminist agendas, and I have way too much knowledge regarding details that no one else remembers. I run at the 100 script on Twitter. You can follow me personally at Robin E. Jeffrey pretty much everywhere. The five people that I would have on my list would be... Oh, here we go. <laughs> Trixie Mattel. Yes! Richard Harmon. Yes, of course. All right. Jenna Marbles. Yeah. Oh, damn it. Peter Kavinsky. Okay. Okay. And Emperor Cusco. <laughs> this is a that came out of okay. field. Pre Llama Cusco, Llama Cusco, or post Llama Human Cusco. Ooh, this is a good post-llama question. Post Llama Human Cusco. Okay. All right, that was a good question though. <laughs> it occurs to me that Kronk probably would have a, be a better person to have now, <laughs> um, but I can't change my answer. I mean, well. Maybe I was going to make a joke about pulling the lever, but this is the wrong podcast for that. Pull the lever, crunk. Run the lever. Every time Clark pulls the lever, I think, Clark, pull the lever to myself. Same. Big mood. Mm -hmm. Oh, also, I should introduce myself. Yes. My name is Brittany Ray. I'm a 28-year-old writer and TV critic from beautiful post-apocalyptic Vancouver, BC. I like badass moms and long naps. I'm on Twitter at Britannia, where I can be found attempting journalism and talking about my cat. And, okay, so if I was, like, five people, right? Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. I was originally just going to say Jeff Goldblum five times. <laughs> okay. All right. Um, but if we're going to take it seriously. Oh, man, don't I make mean, me take it I seriously. That means I have to change my whole list. <laughs> Yeah, well, I mean... Her answer was Jeff Goldblum five times. Yeah, my... You know what? Yeah, it was Jeff Goldblum five times. (laughs) But, like, are we talking about, like, people who would help us survive or just, like, five random people we want to hang out with? Um, I chose five random people I want to hang out with. As I understood it, it was five people we thought were good and we would like to absorb into our freaky little camp cult. Oh, okay, 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 okay. Then Yes to all. This will work. Okay. Okay. So... So okay, <clears throat> Jeff Goldblum. Okay, mm-hmm. obviously The Rock. Yes, obviously. Yeah, yeah, no, 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 no. Um, Thor. Okay, because like okay. I love Chris Hemsworth, but Thor is gonna be like more fun. Also, he's mm-hmm. adorable. Exactly. Tessa Thompson. Okay. Oh, good answer. The absolute like babest babe of all the babes. Okay. And then I'm gonna say Bianca Del Rio. I like oh, that. Wait, answer. That's just an island of men and one woman. <laughs> yeah, that is. I was gonna say it is a little bit of a sausage party, but hey, whatever. I, I did the same thing. I did the same thing. Because one's a drag queen, so I'm like, oh no, that's it's a. Woman. I did the exact <laughs> same thing. Oh my god. Okay, wait. Then I'm changing my answer. Beat it, Bianca. Okay. Um, I need a final woman. Uh... I'm not giving you any suggestions, or you'll take mine. <laughs> Miss, Miss, please name a woman. Miss for a dollar. Name a woman. Name a woman? Yeah. Um. Who? Who? No, name a woman. Name a woman? Yeah. Um. Yoga bag. Name a woman. Sorry. No, name a woman. Name a woman? Yes, go. Any? Yes. Oh my god. Yes. This is so hard. Name a woman. Um. Name a woman! Name a woman! 
No! Oh, Zoe Morgan from Person of Interest. Dog. All right. Okay, good. Are, you, are we just going to breeze past that really awesome joke I just made? <laughs> Wait, what did you say? Miss, please, name a woman. Oh, my God. Go away. <laughs> name a woman. <laughs> Any woman. Any woman. <laughs> I and our guest this week is Sarah. If you couldn't tell. Hello. The witch is Sarah. Back. We've had you on three separate times in the past, but um, just remind everybody, who you? Hi, I'm Sarah. I am 31. I'm a writer in San Jose, California, and you can find me on Twitter at some other metal, all word, all one word, rather. Uh, <laughs> shut up! Okay, I have also, just full disclosure, I have taken a painkiller for a migraine tonight, so if I get a little marble mouth and they laugh at me... You should know you're on my side, audience. They're mean. They're mean yeah, we are and they're bad. And you're on yeah, my side. Mean. Yeah, okay. <laughs> All right. That's fair. I was I, I should add before I start my list, I am a giant Anna Lucia defender. I leapt upon this episode just like a starving child upon a cake. I needed this episode so I could defend Anna Lucia. Yes. <laughs> um so that's definitely my bias here but also I'm super psyched to be here for this specific episode because as much as I love Kate and I really love Kate and Lucy is my jam okay good all right and my list um yay well I'm gonna start with like the most obvious one obviously I will be bringing Hillary Clinton to my camp oh duh yeah duh right um I'm gonna have to bring Obama too Okay. Wow. And that's going to be a seriously great list. Michelle is also coming to this camp. Well, yeah, wow. you have to have the couple. Yeah, I mean, and honestly, like, if I have to pick an Obama, it's Michelle. All the way. Like, yeah. sorry, fair, fair. sorry, Barry, it's your wife's great. I think I'm going to bring Kat Dealey. Oh, okay, yeah. I'm going to bring Mike Schur as my token guy. Fair and enough. then I'm going to bring... Wait, is Barack Obama not your token well, guy? Well, I mean, if... I, I actually think I'm going to go with the one Obama thing. I changed my mind. Oh, okay. One Obama. One okay. Obama. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. Because otherwise you're picking six. Yeah. Okay, so beat it, so Barack. J- sorry, Barack. You're, you're great, but you didn't make the cut, buddy. Michelle, this way. Oh, man, I missed the, ma- I missed the sachet away moment. God. Well done. <laughs> anyway, so Mike sure is my token guy. And then if I'm going to break things up a little, I will be bringing Janet from The Good Place. Okay, great enough. answer. And then I have one more person, so I think I'm gonna. You do? I do because I t- knocked off Obama. Wait, Hillary Clinton, no, Michelle Obama, Obama Mike, Kat Dealey, Kat Dealey, Mike oh, Schur. Mike Schur, and sorry, Janet from The Good Place. You're right, five. Yeah. I'm done. What's well? Who's your honorable mention then? My honorable mention, it's gonna have to go to Amy Poehler. Okay, good answer. Oh uh, yeah, no, I feel that. Brittany, do you have an honorable mention? No, yeah. don't make me think about that, okay. or we'll be here all week. Got it. You should bring. You should bring Jamila Jamil. I have no idea who that from is. From a good place. We were just talking about her. Yeah, she literally I said Jamila Jamil. You said, "Oh my god, I love yeah. her." Yeah. Now she does it again. You say, "Who's that?" Brittany, I heard you, Kate because I heard you say Jimmy, and I was like, "Who's Jimmy?" <laughs> no, no, you're not bringing Jimmy. <laughs> I was like, "Who the hell is Jimmy?" You know, Jimmy. That's why I was like, um, I don't know who that is. God, Brittany, Jimmy. But yeah, she would be amazing to hang out with. She's so funny. Watch the Good Place podcast. My honorable mention is Eleven from Stranger Things. That works. I like that. 
Oh my god! Oh my god! <laughs> Frick Thor! So there's another lady. Woo! No, screw Thor. <laughs> We're putting River Song in. Oh yeah. All right, now I'm done. Okay, good. There we go. We don't need Thor. We have Tessa Thompson already. <laughs> I mean, truer words though. As much as I love Thor. Yeah. And let's do. Let's tell them what episode we're yes. talking about. Okay. Today we have words to say about episode two hundred seven of Lost: The Other Forty Eight Days. So, are in arguably one of the best uh, episodes in season two, hands down. We are hands here down. At the other forty eight days, and um, one of the things that I noticed about the other forty eight days is the use of the word "other." Yeah. And this show is like a whole thing, and also forty eight is not one of the numbers, but in fact two of the numbers put together. Yeah. Four and eight. Ooh. Yes. The broadcast date was November 16th, 2005. It was written by my boys, uh, Damon and Carlton. Damon Lindelof and Carlton Cuse. Mm-hmm. And it was directed by Eric. Don't know how to pronounce this <laughs> French last name. <laughs> Hang on. I love how I'm just like, Javier Grigio March Watch. And I'm just like, how do I say this one? <laughs> I think it's Lanouville. Lanouville, you think? Or okay. Yeah. It sounds about ish, right? You guys are the Canadians, so I. I... Oh, we fully wow. don't speak French. Yeah, I can't really speak to Thank that you at for all. like believing that we do though. I, I believe everything about you guys. Oh, you shouldn't. Those <laughs> yeah, are all not. not true. Ah. Here are some fun facts about the episode. This is the only episode in the entire series that ha- doesn't have Locke or Jack. Oh, it doesn't have Jack? This is my favorite episode. <laughs> like every single episode in the series Wait, when in Across the Sea is Locke and Jack in? I feel like there's a few little scenes there. Oh, there is too. There's a, yeah, there's a flashback, right. Or a flash forward, I suppose. In uh, That's what I thought. I was like, I was pretty sure right, there's right, like right, a right, blip. Right, right. I was just like, excuse <laughs> me. Okay. So yeah, it's the only episode in the entire series with no lock and no Jack. So like every episode, if there is no Jack, there is lock. And if there is no lock, there is Jack, you know? So yeah, it's the, f- this is the first episode in the series that doesn't have any Jack in it. Hmm. And it, this is the first episode in the series that doesn't have any Hurley in it. Oh, I like that less. And at this point, now that there is no Jack and there is no Hurley, no one character is in every single episode of Lost. Nice. So when people say, okay, Brittany, do you remember that one time when you were playing HQ trivia? HQ trivia and they said, please tell this story. Characters? I'm still mad. <laughs> the question was, who are the characters that appear in absolutely every single episode of Lost? And the episode, uh, I think the answer was Sawyer and Hurley. And I was like, that's not right. And she, and she like, texted it to me. She's like, what's the answer? And I was like, um, none? Exactly. Yeah. Anyway, I'm still upset about that. And who do I call? <laughs> who do I call? How do I write this wrong? Ghostbusters. Another thing is that this episode is the first episode that, that happens entirely on island. Oh, cool. I didn't even realize that. There is nothing off island in this episode. And it is one of only two episodes in the series that happen in complete chronological order. Which I appreciate, especially since... This is kind of a a very special episode, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And the other episode is the aforementioned Across the Sea in season six. Ah, those are two of my favorites. Hmm. I will defend Across the Sea forever. Good. Why don't people like Across the Sea? Um, it's just poor, poorly timed. Uh, I think by itself it's a good episode, but poorly timed in the series. Yeah, especially because oh, like right. the emotional resonance of everything that happens in the episode before it. No spoilers. And then also, oh, I yeah. think there's a certain a certain segment of people who watched Lost the first time through who either weren't very hyped about like the Man in Black 
losty, like giant diaspora of mythos and found it kind of boring to dip into things that weren't our main characters, especially at a point in the action where we were like, wait, what just happened? So, which is fair. I loved it, but which I understood even at the time why some people were like, um, who are these people? Can we see? Yeah. Can we see what happened? That's totally fair. It's still a great episode though. Intro my recap. Yes. So Robin is now going to recap this episode in the style of Lost in 8 minutes and 15 seconds. She's going to try and do it in under a minute. If she doesn't, she's going to speed herself up in post to sound like a chipmunk. Mm. Awesome. The other 48 days is about all of the days that we've seen so far from the perspective of the Tailies. In the pilot, the wreckage lands in the water and most people have to save themselves, including our main faves as well as Zach and Emma, some kids. They were supposed to meet their mother in L.A. That night, the others come and take three of them. They try to take Echo too, but he kills two of them in the process. Echo takes a vow of silence for 40 days beginning then. Things are okay for two weeks. They begin to find food, but unfortunately they lose four in their struggles. The others come back and take nine more tailies, including the kids. Anna Lucia kills another and discovers a list of nine in her pocket. They all decide to leave the beach. Nathan is super shady throughout all of this, and no one suspects sweet little Goodwin. Anna digs a pit and puts Nathan into it because she doesn't believe he's Canadian. Goodwin helps him out and promptly murders him. They find the arrow and set up shop there. Goodwin and Anna go on a trek, and Anna correctly accuses him of being the double agent and kills him. Smooth sailing from there, except no, it's not, because then they find gin in the water, and you've seen the rest. Damn, that was 57 seconds. Yes! I am so proud of you. Go team! Yes. Yes. (laughs) Hi. Hello. I was... I did a good job. You did. You did a very good job. All right. Should we get started? Oh my gosh. I have so many thoughts. Let's do it. My first thought is just that I already like Anna Lucia much more than I usually do at this Yay! point. Just like shout out to this podcast for like doing that for Yay. me. So um, yeah. So you, you don't have to do like that much convincing. Okay. Me. Good. So don't, don't go nuts. <laughs> I mean, I'm going to go nuts anyway, but that's okay. a good thing to know. <laughs> yep. Um, so obviously, since this episode is completely chronological, we'll be going chronologically through this episode. All right. Cool. Day one. Shout out. Oh, my God. Hey. Hello. Welcome to day one. There was a lost on location for this episode, and they were saying that their first shot in this episode, they were trying to, like, make it look like a beer commercial. What? I did not get that vibe at all. No? Oh, after they said it. After they said it, when I watched it, I was like, completely. Okay, I'm going to have to. Like, you know, it's like. Oh, but. It's like five seconds of like nothing and then the crash oh, happens. Oh, okay. I get it. No, now I see Okay, it. I, yeah. I can see how, where they were going with that. Okay, now I can see it in yeah. terms of like, and then in a beer ad, what happens is the beer crash lands into the sand and it's, okay, now yeah. I see it. I get it now. So, so we're here at the crash of the Tailies and you know, there's all this chaos happening. Anna's here. Echo's in a suit. I guess we'll kind of talk about Echo being in a suit in the spoiler section because um, then we can talk about like what he was doing beforehand. Yes. Mm-hmm. Then they save Zach and then they save Emma um, with CPR and Emma gets saved and she says, where's my mom? Mm. Oof. That would also be my instinct. That's like the first time when you're like, ouch. Before we uh, hustle through the action, I just wanted to say like, what an awesome opening this is. Like, I don't know if you totally. guys noticed, but the runtime's about five, six minutes longer than most of the other episodes. Yeah, it's an it's a it's an extended exactly. Edition, but it's yeah. I love that it's honestly like you could pull this episode out and it could function as a pilot up until like the end mm, where yep. you start getting into the quick flashes to get us up to speed with what happened last week. 
this could function yeah. just as a perfect pilot on its own. It's a really good... I like that it's like a compliment to what happens with the main characters without being too much of like a cutesy shot for shot recreation from another point of view. Mm-hmm. And also it's, um, it's, I really like how there's, it, they do a good job. Like we've seen Anna Lucia and the rest of them through the other characters eyes already. And we've gotten a little bit of the softening. Mm-hmm. We've gotten the conversation about like what happened to you people, which positions it as, yeah. Clearly something made you this way, which is a little more sympathetic than you're all just dicks. Exactly. But I love yeah. how they 100% commit to showing everything the way you would show it for main characters. Like, mm-hmm. if we had, like, an episode ago, we would have seen a lot of the stuff that, like, Anna Lucia does in particular very judgmentally. Whereas in this episode, they do it so sympathetically and there's no narrative hint of judgment that I think it primes us much. Well, it didn't prime the audience at the time. Internalized misogyny is a hell of a drag. I think it it helps not just explain things from like the Taylor's perspective, but get you emotionally lodged in their perspective, even when you return to the yep. main characters you've known for longer. I just, I, I really love it. absolutely I, does. Season two, I have a lot of problems with overall. Like, I love a lot of it, and I just really don't love a lot of it, too. Big mood. Big mood. But this, I feel like the other 48 days is, like, if I'm listing top five lost episodes of the entire series, I have to put the other 48 days up there, not just in terms of, like, the structure being great and like the writing being really tight and they, they do enough, like they do a really good job. Sometimes on lost, they do a little bit of scene wasting and like wheel spinning Yeah, where you watch the end of a scene Mm -hmm. and you think, well, I don't know if I needed this. Like it was fun or it was bad or whatever it was, but I don't know how this really advanced my feelings on these characters or advanced the story. Every scene in the other 48 days exists to either push the plot forward or to tell you about, tell you something very important about one of these people. And I think Lost is often at its best when they play with format and they have kind of a close, like, box they need to work creatively within because it pushes them to their best instincts to see how creatively they can tell a story that's absolutely right so i just i really have to throw just this episode i think is an example of what loss can do when it's trying its hardest and has the most sympathy for its characters and love and understanding like Sometimes they judge their own characters in a way that feels a little unfair, whether it's gender bias or racial or whatever. This is an episode where I feel like everybody gets sympathy. I mean, even Goodwin gets some moments where you like <laughs> totally even Goodwin, even good and like Goodwin is kind of a snake, but you feel in here like oh, yeah. there's a mix. I think they hit a really good mix with Goodwin of like. Yeah, he's a snake. Yeah, he's telling her the stuff she needs to hear so she'll trust him. But you also get the feeling that he doesn't, you know, he likes her. That he doesn't want her yeah. to die. And he wants, oh, yeah. He respects know. her. Exactly. So it's, I think it's a, they do a really good job in this episode of just everything Lost does well is just firing at a 10 in this episode. Agreed. 
in the Lost on Location, Michelle was talking about how she's like, oh, you know what? I loved this scene because I yeah. really love doing, like, action. And I was like, really? I couldn't tell from <laughs> you literally being in the Fast and the okay. Furious movies, but okay. Can I just the say, for the record, that the Fast and the Furious series gets so much crap and I will cop No, it's the- so good. I know, I love it. And it's also, like, one of the most diverse franchises in existence. There is yep. almost no other action franchise that is as diverse in terms of both, like, having not just all dudes and then not just all white dudes. <laughs> so I will, like, I will stand crazy. for those silly movies until I die. <laughs> They're very silly, also, I but I love them. Bald my eyes out at the end of Fast. They're so funny. Yeah, I like. Oh. I don't know. I just love those movies. Yes. Anyway, anyway sorry. <laughs> I'm glad that like she had a career. That allowed her to do stuff like that after this. So Emma says, where's my mom? And first of all, that's just a heckin' stab to the heart. Because originally, when you first watch it, you think, oh my god, her mom was on the plane. Oh my god, her mom's dead. Like, we don't know where she is, you know? Like, that's scary. And, like, also, this was the this was the moment where I... Like, we kind of, before the podcast started, talked about whether or not this episode passed the Bechdel test. And my thing was, like... Like we we've been pretty like we've been pretty hard on that beforehand. Uh, Sarah, yes. you were talking about how you're a little bit more lenient, and we'll talk about that a little bit later. But um, does this episode or does this scene count? Emma says, "Where's my mom?" They're both women, and they're talking about a woman. I think it technically would, and it's also like I mean, it's the bare minimum for sure. It is the bare minimum, but it's also like I yeah. We'll get into this more later, but it's it's also like I think with. With the Bechtel test, there's a little bit of a degree of flexibility in terms of, like, are they specifically talking about a man or is it, you know, about, you know, a larger context that involves a man? So, I mean, and I think this, honestly, this instance wouldn't even really count for a Bechtel test just because it's so tiny. It lasts, like, two whole seconds. It's so short. But what I do like about it is it establishes, like, I know this isn't Anna's intro, but in a way I feel like it kind of is because if you're, if the audience is receptive, which some people, they were not. Yeah. At the time, like nobody was, I feel like in a 2018 world, Anna Lucia would get a lot more love and respect from the audience. Yes, she would. But the thing I really like is it, it like we already have, you know, the stuff that's happened uh, when they had uh, Jin and Michael and Sawyer captive. We've seen her be smart. We've seen her be ruthless. We've seen her be, have a good sense of humor on occasion. You know, we've seen stuff from her, but we, we've we only really seen the outside perspective from our characters. Mm-hmm. The fact that they start her off in the episode that intros her from like what you could call the real story, AKA what happened without a filter Mm-hmm. is she's trying to save people. And very specifically, mm-hmm. she's, like, there's a certain level of, like, in TV you get, like, nurturing women or badass women. And you don't get, I think, a lot of characters, like, and I don't think Anna Lucia is always done well by the show. I think there no. are some episodes where it almost feels like it's an entirely different character. <laughs> but, um... In terms of, like, especially in this one, there's this balance of, like, she can be ruthless, she can be guarded, she can be hard, but there is this very nurturing, warm, like, that's who she is, and the guardedness is something she's put up 
to try to protect herself. And I I think it's a really great moment to have our intro to her, not just be like this badass hero moment like it was for Jack, but also add this thing of like, not just, not even like, quote, mother, it's, although later it tilts into like a more motherly kind of deal, but there's this level of like baseline empathy and nurturing, especially because we have like the cultural assumption that kids can tell who like creepers are. So the fact that the kids are immediately like, Echo is good, Libby is good, Anna is good, is is kind of like a subconscious hack to our brains of like, oh, the kids trust them. It's kind of like- It's a solid shortcut. Exactly. It's a really nice- And that's another thing about this episode is like, right out of the gate, they're making sure that you know, you know, and some of it is I think they're doing double time to try to- soften and and contextualize and make Anna more sympathetic after we've seen her be, you know, a real hard ass. And, you know, literally shoot Shannon. Yeah, exactly. True. But, But then it's also, I like that they, the first thing we see of her is like that core of always, of wanting to do the right thing. Her motivation is always wanting to protect and to help people, which I, I love. And I'm just so sad that, her character wasn't really allowed to bloom and grow because she feels like, at her best, she feels like a character that's pulled out of a more modern show in terms of, like, the nuance she's allowed to have. As a, She totally does. Oh, I love her. I really do. It's not always a good application, but, like, at the core, this is such a cool character. So, also, like, what you're saying about her character not being, like, allowed to grow and stuff, I was watching mm-hmm. The Lost on Location, and Damon was saying that, like, Michelle only wanted to be on the show for a year. Is that, because I had heard at the time there was some sort of dust-up where she had had, like, a DUI or something, and they kind of quickly shuffled her to the side. Yeah, Joe brought that up. That's interesting. Yeah, it might be, like, a a part of both because Damon like specifically said like Michelle said I'll be on your show but I only want to be there for a year I wonder because yeah I who knows it might be I've heard there have been some rumbles over the years especially from the actors of color that they felt as though they were not particularly treated well in terms of like getting the respect and like writing level for their characters that they deserve. Like a Harold in particular has been real open about being salty. So, and I I, like, I love the lost creative team. So I'm not, I'm not throwing like, you all suck shade, but I do think there is an unfortunate pattern in the characters who get shafted by this show. (laughs) And that pattern that they're all people of color. Yeah. It's, they're almost all people of color with a few white women sprinkled in for variety. <laughs> like, yep. it's, it's, it's a bad look. And it, it, sometimes it's just, especially in that retrospective lens, it makes me wonder if there was that sort of thing of like, ooh, well, not only is she a woman of color, now we've got a reputation issue. So... That's so true, though. I do wonder if that played into it. And I don't know. All I know is at the time, I heard the gossip and it was in People and EW and all that. And the next thing you knew, Anna Lucia was was doing the thing. (laughs) Yeah. So who knows? But it's... Who knows? Moving back into the (laughs) narrative. Um, No, I'll get it. It was on topic, so I'll allow it. (laughs) <laughs> one thing that really struck me when I was rewatching yesterday was 
that they don't have any luggage. All of the luggage was with the, the like, main section yeah. of the plane. You know, like, first episode, Jack, like, went through someone's luggage and found himself a sewing kit and was able to sew himself up. The fact that there is no Jack and they don't have any luggage or anything. Like, they had water bottles. They had food in the at the beginning of season one. And these people have yep. nothing. They were at the most severe disadvantage they could have been. Completely. Yeah. And plus, they're being antagonized by the others way more than the other ones were. This is within our, uh, our what, three episodes? We see everything that happened to them from their perspective. I think, yeah, literally it's last episode that Michael says, what happened to you people? And she tells the story. Yeah, well, this is episode 207 and we meet, like, we meet, meet the Tailies at the end of 202. So it's been, like, five Okay, okay, is it, has it, yeah, you're right. Um, but even, even so, like... The audience is given a chance to get to know all of these characters and to sympathize with them. And it's also, Mm -hmm. like, I think it's crucial that Anna... We don't hear the story of what happens to them until the episode before this. And because of everything we've seen from Anna, the fact that she did deceive them at first, it's not unreasonable that an audience member might be like, I don't know if that's everything that happened. They have Anna Lucia say that, and then they immediately show that not she's telling the truth about everything. So you don't have to like her, but it backs up that she is at the very least a reliable narrator who has been through some real trauma. And I think it's really important, especially after we've seen her do some pretty pretty unlikable things. Shannon. To see it from her perspective, especially because like the way they shoot her shooting uh, Shannon's death in the episode before, it's kind of ambiguous whether it's on purpose, whether she knows what's going on. And then this episode settles the question. She thinks Shannon's an other. Yeah. And it's just all like a terrible, terrible mistake. So I think I really like, I, I know that at the time the audience just was not there for it, but I really appreciate that they made sure to just flip around and give her position context. I was just going to say also, I really love the dynamic between uh, Anna and Libby and also Echo. But I just, I kind of love that we have the leadership team of, you know, a woman of color and a man of color and then a white woman, but another woman who just kind of come together in this instinctive, like, triad of leadership that's not fraught. There's no weird. I just really enjoy seeing non-traditional heroes get to take the stage. And the lack of drama that comes from. Uh, exactly. And also Arbor. that there's, there's no like, unfortunately on the other side of the Island, because like Sawyer is like toxic masculinity man at first. <laughs> um, you yeah, know, I, I do not miss, like I, the, the amount of times he calls her a bitch. I just like, nah, I wish you would stop using that word. But there's no, like, mm-hmm. it's really refreshing on, like, even though, uh, what's his face? I, I'm blanking. The, the one she suspects. What's his name? Oh, Nathan. Nathan. Even though Nathan is a punk to her, there's <laughs> never a moment of, like, well, you're a girl, so you can't tell me what to do. Like, it's just kind of like he's not a very pleasant person. It has nothing to do with sexism. And yeah. it's really refreshing to have this cool survivalist narrative where there's just, like, you don't have to deal with, like, like out on the other side of the island, you've got, you know, Sawyer speaking up for the everyday white guy stereotype of 
redneck doing like, you know, calling Jin racial names and like being a dick to Hurley about his weight. It's really cool that the Tailies, despite the fact that they end up so much more mentally screwed up because of what happened to them, actually form this very non-toxic and cohesive unit despite then becoming, like, a group of paranoid murderers who throw a guy in a pit. Okay, exactly, though. It's really interesting. It, it That's why, like, this actually beautifully demonstrates why Lord of the Flies is just a load of shit. It's, I, because I different people react differently depending on who you land with. Yep. No, exactly. And it's, oh, man, I love this. It's just, I really do, it's such an interesting microcosm of an episode where it's like, I would watch the whole series about these people. I mean, I'm always all in on this sort of like the traveling. I joke around about Farm Station that like as soon as you gave me like a codependent family of like murdering military pseudo squads, I was immediately like, yes, this give me. But, like, even if that wasn't already my aesthetic, this episode is so compelling. I feel like even if you don't like Anna Lucia, you have to admit that in this episode, she really does come off well. Yeah. If I can bring it back to the plot. Yes. Real quick. Do it. (laughs) Okay, so Emma says, where's my mom? (laughs) Oh, sorry. I thought we were moving. I had kind of just moved us on to the Libby conversation. Sorry. Yeah, no, no. It's all good. I just. That works. I just want to talk about how the heck. Okay, like. Full disclosure, after Emma and Zach are taken by the others, they never make it back to the mainland. Yeah. How does, like, I don't know. I know people do it all the time and, you know, no shade or anything. But, like, I don't know how I would feel about putting my kids on a plane by themselves from Australia to L.A. Um, That's a really long flight and that would scare me. And the fact that then her kids go... Missing on this flight, this flight, you know, never really comes back. And then it's like... Is that not heartbreaking? And the show kind of forgets about that. Exactly. Like, I don't know. I'm just sad about their mom. Yeah, I think it's... I mean, I think it maybe strains credulity a little bit that a parent would be just like, yeah, sure, LA to Australia by themselves. Yeah, we don't know the story. But but also, like, they are together. And this is... I think the other thing to remember is this is a... Like, this is essentially, when did, what year did this, what year was this again? 2005. 2005. 2005. 2005. So this is a just post 9-11 world. Like, I used to fly alone a lot as a kid. Not that far. Yeah, I was going to say, like, I can see how this would happen because I used to do Edmonton to New York all the time. Yeah, like, it's not, I didn't fly as far as that, but I think definitely there is a different attitude about allowing kids out on their own that in the last 20 years has definitely tightened up. So I think we're right on the cusp here of it being a little bit like further than most parents would probably be comfortable with, but believable. Gotcha. But like in my, in my head that I've made up this story, their mom is a single mom who's uh, husband or ex-husband moved to Australia and she was really pissed um, and he had the kids for like a month and then sent them That back. would make sense. Yeah, because it's- Because they were there without their mom. September. Yeah, because it's September. Exactly. So that means like, you know, maybe he had them for the summer Oh, or that actually would make perfect or, sense. Yeah, or the, the Australian winter. Oh, now yeah. I even feel- I feel so much worse for this mom now. God, Brittany. 
I'm sorry, I have single mom goggles. No, that makes part, like, honestly. And then she's just like, cool, so the last person, so he's the one who got to spend time with our kids, like, before they die. Oh my god, and you know the dad is totally, like, Walt's stepfather, too. (laughs) He's terrible. (laughs) Brian! Yep. Robin, write this down for the spoiler section okay. because I have more fears. Okay, um, yes. Uh, I guess I could also write it down, but um, <laughs> you're my brain. I got it. So. Cool. Okay, yes. continuing on. Anna promises that she'll get them home. Uh, in the Lost on Location, Adewali, who plays Echo, was talking about how he felt like uh, Echo and Anna Lucia, he and Michelle, were, like, put on the show to, like, just show up and, like, yep. kick butt. Yep. Yep. So they have such up. a great dynamic um, too. Like everybody mm-hmm, in this mm-hmm. t- little Taylor section, Libby and Anna have a great dynamic. Anna and Echo have a great dynamic. Echo and Libby have a great dynamic, and Anna and Goodwin actually have a really great True. dynamic. It's really interesting to me, especially when you watch it back, knowing the truth about Goodwin. It's a mm-hmm. really he, that actor is really, really good because there are moments where it's you true. you can like see that he's he's manipulating and he's you know just doing what he needs to do, and then there are moments where he feels really, really sincere, and then there are moments where it feels like it's mm-hmm. kind of both. And I'm just very impressed by that acting job. I love it when a character is like playing you know, doing that kind of double bind and you can watch it back and see the things you missed the first time. Yeah, and that's the whole show. I really like that. Also, another thing is that if Emma and Zach had been with the regular people, Walt would have had buddies. I know! They would have had, like, three kids to hang out with and that'd be so nice. And then Echo goes in and gets the bodies from the water. Yeah. Oof. Man, I would never volunteer to do that. So, like... Echo's just, like, a pretty good person. I, yeah, I was gonna say, Echo's just, like, a better person than you. Weird. To me, like, these two together are very much, like, a head and heart combo. They are, but I also love yeah. how it's, like, they are, I think, I think part of the reason they understand each other so well, and I love Libby and Anna's relationship, but there's, like, a level of tenderness and understanding between Echo and Anna, and I think it's because at their core, they are people who are they're willing to kind of lay down their own bodies, their own morality on the altar of what's best. I will sacrifice myself and do things in order to deal out justice as I see it or to protect people or to, you know, Echo is the guy who's willing to go get bodies. Anna is the woman who's willing to kill somebody if that's what it takes to protect people and get those kids back to their pit you know, get them back and then get them back to their mom. Yeah, they serve a purpose that's higher than themselves. And it's also like there's a there's a and level of being willing to of 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 sacrifice because they're moral people. Yeah. Like both Echo and Anna have very firm moral centers. Like they know the oh, stuff sure. they do is wrong. Neither of them enjoy violence. But they feel willing, I think there's a level of like It's very Saeed, whereas oh, yeah. like they he doesn't like it, but he'll do it. I was gonna bring this up a little bit later, but looking back on the previous episodes of this season, you can now see Anna's, understand Anna's, what's the word? 
motivations a little bit more because there's a point where Sawyer has the gun and he says, oh, I'm going to shoot the guy Yeah, she's gonna- who opens the thing. I'm going to shoot him. And that's immediately when Anna Lucia attacks Sawyer and takes the oh, gun. Exactly. Like She's like, okay, that's it. It's not going to be Echo because Echo consoled me when I was crying. Echo has been there for me. Like, they have a bond. That's her, it's her brother in arms. Oh, yeah, and I think it's also, like, I think it shows, too, like, just dipping back into that episode, what I like is how Anna is both very, she's got empathy and emotion, but she's also very practical in terms of, like, hit me, throw me in the cage so I can talk to these guys. And then she talks to them and she's weighing it up. And then Sawyer shoots his mouth off and he's, as soon as Echo opens the cage again, I'll kill him. Well, at that point, Anna Lucia has two goals. She knows at the very least kind of what's going on. And she knows she has to get that gun from him and she get has to get it out of the cage or Echo is going to get shot. So it's like, yep. and she doesn't, I like too how it shows um, when you don't know... Anna Lucia and you're more sympathetic towards the characters, it can be easy to read a sort of malevolence into her threats of violence, like being willing to shoot Sawyer, like, you know, the level, like, it feels almost like she's, there's like a maliciousness to it. And then once you like see who Anna Lucia is and see her perspective, it's like, no, she's just willing to get the job done. And is trying to to honestly get through this with as little violence as possible, but feels violence is the only motivator she can offer at that point. Plus, who wouldn't want to shoot Sawyer? Also, like, that's my thing, too, is, like, when people get all, like, oh, we hate Anna Lucia because she shot Shannon and she was mean to Sawyer. And I'm like, okay, you didn't like Shannon. You should be mean to Sawyer. Also, like, one, none of you like Shannon. Don't pretend you stand my girl along with me. You weren't mad. You just wanted an excuse. But then also, Sawyer, while I would say, like, it's very reasonable not to be particularly awesome or polite to people who kidnap you and throw you in a pit, like, I, I'm not saying he needed to be Miss Manners, but he is the worst captive on the planet. Jin and He's Mike, not even helpful. Exactly. I'm like, Jin and Michael aren't happy. And for Jin's part, he doesn't even speak English at this point. Not very well. But um, with Michael, at the very least, he's like, okay, let's try to get through this. Let's, you know, see how things are. Like, there's a reason that things only get worked out while Sawyer is down sulking in the pit. Like, he is actively (laughs) trying to make this situation worse. So, you know, as much as Sawyer's beloved, come on, guys. Anna Lucia was actually remarkably patient with him. Especially since- Also, Sawyer kind of likes it when people are mean to him. Yeah, like, that's his kink for sure. Oh, yeah. He totally has a thing for women who could kick his ass and will call him mean names. Like, that is Sawyer's type of woman. (laughs) Yep. Oh my god, that's also my type of woman. You guys have good taste. <laughs> um, so we have this scene with Anna and Libby and Donald. Okay, so this is Donald. <laughs> Hi, Donald. Hi, Donald. Hi, Donald. Um, Bye, so Donald. sorry about uh, what happens to you. And he's talking, and his leg is like very, very broken. And Libby is telling the story about how she was skiing in Vermont and she broke oh, her I leg. Love Libby. And that was bad. Oh, my leg! My leg! No! Is it bad? Oh, it's bad, isn't it? Yeah. It's not that bad. I broke my leg skiing up at Stowe in Vermont. I was on this run. It's going pretty fast. I was racing this cute 
ski patrol guy. I went off the smogel, lost my edge, and bam! <laughs> Snapped my left leg. Now that, that was bad. You a doctor? You're in med school before I dropped out. I'm a clinical psychologist. You saved that girl's life. You a doctor? No. Uh, Sarah, you was you were arguing that this scene passes the Bechdel test, even though Donald is present. I would speak. yeah, like because what it, and honestly, like obviously, I I I'm so enamored of these of the three lead tailies that I could honestly be be lending Miss Rose your view. I'll have to watch the scene again after this and see if I'm I'm inventing a lie or two. But the way it comes up in my memory is she's telling the story to Donald. She's doing her thing. She's be. I love the performance of that story. That kind of like grim freaked out almost like excited determination in her eyes as she's like working herself up to snapping his leg back into mm-hmm. position i love the actress who plays libby oh i love libby she's so good Cynthia. Um, but uh so she snaps his leg into position and he passes out and then as i recall it she and anna have a conversation like originally that kind of kicks off from what she's done but then they talk about she asks Libby, you know, what do you, are you a doctor? Um, no, what do you do then? Well, what do you, you know, how do you know CPR? So they talk about themselves and not the guy who just passed out. Now, it's a shortish scene. Right. That's fair. But I would argue that it passes the Bechtel test. And also that like even, and now this is, I think honestly, this is a subjective way to go about it. So I, I don't think I'm right. This is just my take. Okay. I think later... A lot of like the scenes between Libby and Anna or um, what's her name? The stewardess and Anna or Libby. Cindy. Yeah, that's right. They, while they do mention men, it's not so much like they're talking about the men. It's what are we going to do about this guy we think is creepy? It's a, so it's more centered on them and their actions and their feelings. But again, it is also like centric to how they feel about this creepy guy. So I think it could really swing either way. I would agree with that. Like, I I could argue either point, honestly. (laughs) I tend to feel one way, but I could argue either point if I needed to. So one thing that I wanted to actually talk about... So first of all, yeah, she sets his bone and he passes out. Do you think the story is true? No. I... Well, I don't know. And the way I read it was that... It was like maybe a story she heard or something, especially knowing, I don't want to spoil, but stuff we know about Libby later, mm-hmm. there is reason to distrust many of her stories. Um, and I think the way she tells it, I don't know, it could be true. Honestly, I think it really, it's up in the air. I think it just depends on how you read the performance. And I almost read it like she's just trying to distract him while she sets the bone. Although I do mm-hmm. believe that she did a year of medical school before dropping out. Yeah. Yeah. So I do believe, yeah, that part. Another thing that I feel like I always say that she's a psychiatrist, she's a psychiatrist. But what she is is a clinical psychologist. And I want to look up what the difference between a psychiatrist and a psychologist is. Oh, a psych... I know that one. Oh my god. Okay. One can prescribe and one is a therapist. Yeah. A psychologist uh, gotcha. can prescribe medicine. 
uh, or a psychiatrist can prescribe medicine, a psychologist cannot. I believe a clinical psychologist would be basically working in clinical settings. Yeah, so I'm I'm on a website. Yeah, it's a same. My mom is a clinical psychologist because oh, okay. she works in a hospital. Okay, oh, exactly. That's what I thought it was. Okay. Yeah, because I have... I have this website up right now. It says five core differences between clinical psychology and counseling psychology. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. sorry, Brittany, are you able to speak a little bit more about what your mom does? Because she yeah. she does what Libby does, right? Yes. Well, um, if Libby worked in a hospital, then yes. Oh, I also, if I can actually, if I can speak to this one, considering I was in a treatment center for a while. <laughs> okay. And was recently diagnosed with PTSD from living there. So that's fun. Um, A clinical psychologist is, Brittany has it, someone who works in more of a hospital setting and tends to work with stronger cases of psychosis. Yeah. So, like, a... and also there's a difference between a counselor and a people therapist. with like those are two different levels. people with personality disorders are usually people who um get dealt with by clinical yeah. like psychologists like people like with borderline personality disorder or you know narcissism psychopath sociopathy things like that um whereas a regular psychologist deals more with like depression anxiety yeah. like gotcha. the kind of stuff that like i have yeah Brittany nailed it so a clinical psychologist is someone who may work somewhere like santa rosa mental health facility oh yeah sure. no i honestly assumed that's well that i don't think she's a clinical psychologist i think she's lying because she would be seeing- yeah so like watching this episode you're you're like oh well why would she be lying so that this is obviously going to be a conversation about In the spoiler section, and I will write that down. I almost said something spoilery, but yes, uh, I have a spoiler section thing, and I think I know exactly why, we know why she says it. I think it's, I think that's pretty confirmed. Okay, perfect. Yes, so, Anna is also not a doctor. Neither of them are a doctor. Gee, could they uh, use a doctor? Yes. And I think, you know, after we're done talking about everything in this episode, I think we should talk again about, you know, in the season finale of season one... Jack and Anna Lucia say, do you want to switch seats, lol? And, like, wh- how much of a huge difference. Although, you know, we don't always like Jack. He would have made the Tailey's lives a lot easier. So much easier. Um, I don't know, actually. I, I'm, I'm going to be the sticky wicket there. I don't think Jack would have hacked it with the Tailey's. Mm. You think? Jack would have been like, this isn't fun. I th- Well, here's what, I don't know in terms of hacked it, but if you look at, like, Jack's track record in terms of planning, the places where Jack shines are, like, more medical situations, sometimes interpersonal situations. Anytime he has to plan any sort of military thing, any sort of march, any sort of whatever, it goes spectacularly hideously wrong. The man just does not have a tactical mind. He's too emotional. I I don't know how it would have gone down, but I do think, like, because you have to factor in, the only thing that changes is you have Jack there instead of Anna Lucia. You still have Goodwin trying to trick people. You, yes. who knows if Bernard survives at that point? Like, I think Jack probably would have tried to climb the tree. Wow, you're so right. That's, that's more of Jack's personality is to just, run into action instead of standing back looking at the seat saying I'll never reach him this is how we save him which is how Anna does it who knows I I don't know like I'm not saying he would have just like died in a ditch somewhere but I do think in that sort of different circumstance 
with that specific complete lack of control, I don't know if Jack Shepard shines. Yeah, I agree. Just because just like thinking about the way Jack responded under pressure and like think about Jack losing those kids. You know what I mean? Oh, he would have made it all about himself and not about the kids. But, but even more than that, like, I I can see season one Jack Shepard running off into the forest after the kids. Like, who's to say Jack doesn't lead everyone right at the others instead of trying to keep them away from them like Anna does? Because the Anna strategy is a lot more evade. It's get away. You know, yeah. it's... Yeah. It's literally... <laughs> you know, outrun, outlast, and quick, get out fast. Like, she is just trying to keep the group moving one step ahead of the others and keep as many of her people alive as she can. Jack is more the kind of, like, nah, screw you. I'm bringing the battle to you, buddy. I'm getting those kids. Yeah, because, like, when Anna is like, I gotta run off into the jungle, people are like, Anna, that's stupid. And she's like, oh, you're right. And she does listen. Exactly. Anna is willing to think, to stop and pause and think of the group. And I think Jack either would have had a Johnny don't be a hero moment where he charged off into the jungle in the middle of the night and no one could stop him. And Jack would fully be murdered by the others. Or he just leads the whole group towards the others. Yeah. Cause like Jack has <laughs> never really shown a tendency for like military style evasion. Having listening ears. But also like think about all his plans really involve just confronting head on what's happening. Mm-hmm. Jack's not like a runaway to fight another day guy. Most of the time he tends to be, there's no nuance there. So I, I don't know what would happen to Jack, honestly, but I do think it would be a very, very different situation, either in terms of like him herring off to try to find the kids out of his overdeveloped sense of guilt, or since I assume he would have saved Emma, just like Anna does, since he's the doctor. Like, oh, yeah. So who knows if he does that? Who knows if he leads everybody there? God only knows, but, um... And another thing is that, like, Jack literally is just like, Saeed, let's torture Sawyer. And Anna's like, let's torture Nathan, except after he's been in the pit for a really long time. Like, she's like, let's just put him in a pit, hunger strike, rather than terrible, awful torture. And that's the other thing, too. I don't know, like, and this is, again, one of those things where I don't think Anna Lucia knows. Would she really have cut off his finger? I don't think so. Yeah, and I don't think so either. I think it goes either way, but I think that's actually the point. I think Mm -hmm. the point is, too, part of why she feels like garbage after he goes missing is now in her head, she's always going to have this question of, would I really have done it? Was I bluffing? Could I have gone through with it? What if it, like, thinking to yourself, maybe is almost worse than knowing if she could or couldn't have done it. Like, this is always in her head now, this thing of, like, was I going to torture a guy? Especially when she finds out that Goodwin was actually the bad guy the whole time. Mm -hmm. She has to think to herself, oh, my God, what if I cut off the finger of an innocent man? Like, who does that? And me saying I think I'm going to cut off his finger is the reason why he got murdered that night. Mm -hmm. Which, just for the record, like... Shout out to the total hypocrisy of Goodwin and the others of like, Mm -hmm. you guys aren't good people. You're not on the list. And then I killed him because he might have like kept telling you the truth and that would have outed me. How are you a good person, Goodwin? Like, where's your metric? Come on, man. Oh, Goodwin, you beautiful garbage human. Let's talk about Bernard. Yes, I love that scene. Oh, I love Bernard. Guys, I have a headcanon that is going to mess you up. I'm so excited. Do it. 
Do it. Oh God, what is it, you demon? Okay, so I want to get... I wanna, let's go through this scene about Bernard, and then I have thoughts. So, okay. Goodwin comes out of the jungle like, hello, it's me, Goodwin. And Bernard <laughs> is in the jungle, strapped to a seat with some dead guy. And Goodwin's like, let's climb up there. And Anna's like, that's stupid. <laughs> so she's like, let's talk to him instead. Like, I mean, I think we've kind of let it slip and we'll meet, we'll literally learn next episode. Anna Lucy is a cop. Oh, so yeah. Sorry. She can, you know, cops know how to talk to people, talk people down from things. So that's what he's, that's what she's doing, talking him through the thing. Help! We should climb up there. I'll hold no, him no, steady. No, you wait. pull him. What's your name? Uh, uh, Bernard! You're gonna be all right, Bernard. I need you to unbuckle your seatbelt and grab the branch next to you. Is he dead? I think he's dead. Maybe we should climb no. up there. I need you to focus, Bernard. Unbuckle your seatbelt. Now grab the branch next to you. I don't think I can do that. Bernard, those seats are gonna fall. And like when she says, hey, what's your name? Bernard like fully is just like, I'm fully so much in shock. I don't even know. Let me think about it. She's, I love that scene. Yep. Yeah. And so he grabs the branch um, and the seats fall, but Bernard's okay. And she's like, okay, I'll come up to get you. And Goodwin looks real heckin' impressed. I wrote down in my notes. I love that. The look he gives her is like, it's, it's impressed and there's respect. And it's also this moment of like, which I really do like, is you can tell she, cause she wasn't on the list. So she must not be a good person. And it's this moment of like, oh, maybe we were wrong. Maybe she can count because that was like, not yep. for nothing, but that moment with Bernard is just like, like it is with the kids. It's another like thesis statement about who Anna Lucia is in the middle of action. Like, you know, Goodwin springs to like, let's climb the tree and get him. Anna steps back. She looks at the situation. She sees that the seats are shifting and there isn't enough time to climb that tall ass tree and get him. So she immediately moves to, okay, Bernard, what's your name? Okay, Bernard, let's get you to grab the branch. And she's she's not, she's honest with him. She tells him what the stakes are. She tells him this is not a waffling time. Let's get to business. But she's very, she does it in this way that feels accessible. Like it's Michelle Rodriguez uh, has like, people will say she comes off cold. But I really, in this role, she doesn't. There is, like, she's so good at talking to Bernard. She's so good at communicating in a way that's both serious, but not, you know, like, you're gonna die, grab the branch. And she also, she's like, the first thing I need to know is your name. She, and I bet yeah. she's lear- she learned this in, like, training or, like, at the academy or whatever. It's like, you know, learn their name first and you keep saying their name. It because personalizes then it's just like, it. This isn't, this isn't, like, like, I am talking to you. This is about you. You know, you can't. Yep personalizes it yep exactly they can't like go you're in a and person out. it's like this is yeah. this is for you yeah you're a person i'm gonna save you i care about you i am here with you in this moment and she doesn't mm. scare him which like it's a scary yeah. moment and she's able to like communicate no. scary information in a way that feels urgent but not making the panicked guy more panicked which again i don't know how well yeah. most uh, anyone else saeed would do well at this 
Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Saeed would kill at this. Kate would try to climb the tree. Jack would cl- try to climb a tree. Everybody else, like, Saeed is the only other person other than Anna Luisia who I think would nail this moment and what it needed. Maybe yep. Locke? Maybe Holy Locke. crap, you guys. Maybe Locke. What? In the state, like, so you know how the Kate Saeed as leader seems like it was kind of supposed to be the original pairing? Mm-hmm. Yeah. The head and the, it, this is it. This is it, too. Echo. Yeah. Echo is the Kate. And Anna is the Saeed. Oh my exactly. god, that's why there's so many parallels. Oh my god, that's yeah. why there's so many parallels between both Echo and Kate and then Anna's. Yes, that's awesome. I never noticed Sarah, that. you said something really interesting to me because it never occurred to me that the list came from someone other than Goodwin. Like, it totally makes sense that that, that list came from insert spoiler here and I know exactly and I think yeah. we all know exactly who I'm talking <laughs> yes. about but for some reason it always thought I always thought Goodwin made the list and so I thought him looking at her like that at the end of the scene was just like hmm should I put her on the list for night one yeah see I oh my god and that's so funny because when I I started watching uh fun fact I started watching the show live uh later than this so the I actually watched these episodes later like piecemeal when I could borrow DVDs from people and when I could find them on, you know, someone had taped them. Yeah, exactly. Because this is a pre-streaming world. So by the time I saw this episode in particular, I already knew about Spoiler. So I always... That's so cool because it really... Oh, that is another really great move by Lost because now, yeah, if I had seen it this part in the correct chronological order, I never would have made that leap, not in a million years. Because you can't. Yeah. You don't know spoiler yet. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah, I always thought Goodwin made it. Yeah, I always thought it was Goodwin. And he's just like, yeah, take the strong ones. (laughs) And then, you know, after two weeks, he's then he has the list of the exact people who he believes are good. But do you guys want to hear my Bernard headcanon? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ah, okay, so I thought about this um, when I was trying to go to sleep last night, and I'm really proud of it, and I hope that this isn't something that someone else has already, like, thought of, because I want it to be, like, super original. Oh my god, out with it, woman. <laughs> I'm so excited. Okay, so I explained this to my mom beforehand, and so I hope that I can do just as well right now. Um, here's what happens, is all of the tailies, people in the tail section, land in the water. The whole tail section lands in the water. Why is Bernard not in the water? He's in the tree. Why is that? I don't know. Why? We know that Bernard is in the bathroom. Yeah. He's in the bathroom. And, you know, we've all been on a plane before. We know the bathroom, you know, on a giant, giant, giant plane like that, you know, the bathroom could be anywhere at that point. Yeah. But, you know, obviously in the tail section, you know, he we assume he's like in the way, way, way back, the backest bathroom that you could be in. Yeah. The opposite now, of the bathroom Charlie was in. Exactly. So... The next uh, step is we know that Rose is a nervous flyer. Rose is like, oh, you know, my husband tries to tell me that planes want to be in the air. Oh, your husband sounds like a really smart man. Well, I'll tell him that as soon as he gets back from the bathroom. So he's in the bathroom. And how? so how did he land in the tree? He lands in the tree not because he's in the way, way back of the plane, because the way, way back of the plane is in the water right now. Yeah. He's, he's... In the tree because he is in the just, 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 just point of when the tail breaks off. Does this make sense so far? <gasps> you were, he was trying to run to Rose. Oh my God, that's heartbreaking. He, he starts feeling the turbulence and he goes, uh-oh, my wife is a nervous flyer. I better get back to my wife. And he starts running towards oh the front end of the plane. I'm not interested in talking that's to you anymore. That's terrible. Can I make it worse? 
Yeah. yeah. Do you want to know why he went to the bathroom? Why? Because he he has to be strong for Rose because of spoiler. Think about what they just learned. What if he was <gasps> in the bathroom crying, trying to keep no! it together? And that's why he was in the bathroom, because he couldn't let Rose see him cry. Oh, no. Okay, well, it's been a good podcast. Um, I'm going to go. <laughs> I hate you both. Um <laughs> And Good like, talk. I don't know if that's any, if that's what the show was thinking or if yeah, they were just like, um, put Bernard in the tree. But like, that's what it's I'm It's canon together. now. It's total. But honestly, it makes a ton of sense. Like the thing mm-hmm. with the single mom with Emma and Zach. Like, who mm-hmm. knows if the show thought about it, but it makes perfect sense. So I'm calling it canon now. Yep. Yeah. Oh cool. my God. That's so, so great. Continuing on, um, Goodwin tries to start making a fire and everything. And, you know, they don't have any dry matches and everything. And he says, and I quote, let me get a signal fire started so they can find us. Oh. And when you watch it the first time, you're like, oh, he's helping the rescue planes. And when you watch it the second time, you're like, he wants the others to know exactly where you are. Such a good episode. Mm -hmm. He's, it's so good. And I was going to say to you about this, I love this kind of, the chemistry he has with Anna because. Totally. Especially because it would be, I'm sure that like, I honestly, because I'm a trash bucket and I'll ship anything like I'll find I a way. I would. I totally ship it. Like I can see it. Hey, you know what? I'm a, I'm on your side. I'm on your side. But you know what? My thing is, I yeah. think the show is now. I think they have great chemistry, and I ship it because I'll ship anything. But I think the show is not actually leaning anywhere romantic between the two of them. It. No. I feel like honestly, if there's anything that maybe seems like it's hinting there could be a tiny bit of like maybe romance, it's Echo, Echo and Anna. But even then, it feels like it's just, again, this weird little island of, like, Anna and even though Goodwin is secretly playing her, you know, there is that that layer. The way it presents itself, especially before you know that, is this just platonic, respectful relationship between a man and a woman where she takes his, she takes both Goodwin's advice and Echo's advice and listens to them. But ultimately, she's the one in charge. She's the one making the choices. They fall in behind her. And there's no, like, it's just this very respectful. There's no posturing. Exactly. And it's, there's, and the narrative doesn't remark upon it. There's no moment where they're like, aren't we progressive? Like, it just follows through. And I really like the way they build the chemistry with the actors because it feels like, you know, even that moment where, like, they're joking around about the Peace Corps, you understand why Anna likes this guy and comes to trust him. And I think you understand, too, why Goodwin is finds himself, you know, coming to respect her and wanting to, you know, very clearly is reluctant to pull the trigger on anything that might end up with Anna in trouble. I just want to say, yes, if y'all want to get F to the F up, I wonder if Anna reminds him of anyone. Oh, I think I think she probably uh-huh. does. I think she most definitely does. Mm-hmm. There are very there are some similarities. Someone who's a little abrasive but has a good heart. Somebody mm-hmm. who's who's good at, <laughs> at hiding behind a mask but is made of tender squishy things. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um real quick, speaking of the Peace Corps, what is the Peace Corps? Oh, that's an American thing. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, he says, oh, I'm so glad that someone your age knows. And I'm like, she's way older than me. I don't know okay. anything. 
The Peace Corps, well... Yeah, but that's just you as a person. I know, so please tell me what the Peace Corps is. I hear about it all the time, but I never know what it is. Now that I've said that, I actually don't know if it's, like, just an American or if it's, like, a worldwide thing. Uh, Yes, it is. It's the volunteer program run by the U.S. government. Um, It was founded in the 60s, in the early 60s, and it's essentially, like... Yeah, what's the difference between the Peace Corps and just the military? Okay, well, it's not a military the program. Peace Corps doesn't fight. Oh, okay. What what do they do? No, the, the Peace Corps is civilians. They are, okay. They're like volunteer humanitarians. Yeah, there are a lot. Of, there are official employees, but it's, it's essentially, okay, let me read you their mission statement since explaining it would probably end up in me like on a million tangents about American politics and we do not have the time. <laughs> um, the Peace Corps is a volunteer program run by the U.S. government. The stated mission of the Peace Corps includes providing technical assistance, helping people outside the U.S. to understand American culture, and helping <laughs> Americans understand the culture of un- other countries. Oh, it's they failed. It's diplomatic propaganda, relief work. Like it's, it is, it's a double, like it's a double pronged thing. One, it is intended to do good work to, you know, help out in underdeveloped nations, to build homes, to build, you know, uh, water sources. But it also is American propaganda. Like they make sure you know that like the American government built this well. So, um, (laughs) it's the Canada programs. It, right. It, so, yeah, yeah. It, obviously, Goodwin is lying. And so oh, he's yeah. literally just like, oh, what's the thing that I can get her, make her Although, um, trust me? Do you want to know what's kind of funny? Mm. Is it is a lie, but in terms of like, this is more spoiler, but but the 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 program his his progenitors were part of, uh, if I was going to put it away. Oh, she's um, right. Oh, she's right. She's going in the right direction. That program, if you were going to make up something that you had done, the Peace Corps is kind of a f- funny joke way of, of both acknowledging his actual origins and giving her an answer that is satisfying and a lie. Yeah. Basically, the goals of, of these two organizations are very similar, and one of the names of that organization does not necessarily directly translate to peace, but is a similar enough concept that it is kind of an in-joke. Mm-hmm. That's really funny. Yeah, I, I've always liked that line because I figured he was having a little bit of a chuckle to himself. Right. So they kind of, like, they introduce themselves and it parallels to, like, the pilot when Kate when Jack's like, I don't even know your name, Kate. And she's like, I'm Kate. And he's like, I'm Jack, you know? Yep. It was, um, it's a very good moment. Yes. And honestly, yeah. like, Goodwin's actor, he is very charming. His name's, uh, his name's Brett. If you enjoy Brett, I would recommend for the billionth time, Sarah, that what? you watch Person of Interest. Because he is a major character in Person of Interest. I've watched parts of Person of Interest. I, I got behind and then I need to go back. It's, he, he plays, he's actually a, he's a very important character to Michael Emerson's character. Believe it or not. <laughs> Um, it works for me. It's his best friend. Bernard comes up to Echo. First of all, I would die for Sam Anderson. Um, I love him so much. He does such good work. He was recently on the last season of This Is Us, and he played a judge for one episode, and he absolutely knocked it out of the freaking park, and he was fantastic, and I cried. Thank you so much. (laughs) Yeah, that sounds like you. So, anyway, I love Sam Anderson. He does good work. So, Bernard goes up to Echo, and he's like, hey, so I heard that you're the person who was, you know, I, I bet he was like, working himself up 
to talking to Echo all freaking night. He goes up to Echo and he says, hey, like, I know you were the people, person, like, pulling people out of the water. I'm just wondering, you know, if you've seen my wife. And he says, no. I heard that you were the one who pulled the dead bodies out of the water. Yes. Or any of them African-American? No. Oh. It's my wife. I can't find her. I will pray for her. Where the hell are the rescue planes? I will pray for them too. He's like, I'll pray for your wife though. And he's like, what about the rescue planes? I'll pray for them too. Honestly, I'm not a religious person, but if someone says I'll pray for you or I'll pray for something else, because it means- It's a kindness. Because it means so much to them, it means something to me. Yeah. Oh yeah, it's- yeah. I just love like, again, it's the Echo and Anna have that cool thing of like, they're both seem like gentle, like protective people who mm-hmm. do mm-hmm. violent things that are against their natures because they feel they have to. Yeah. Ah, oh, that's just such a good moment. Exactly. Especially because uh, when we get later the whole 40 days thing, that's mm-hmm. so Catholic, so painfully Catholic. Because that's the uh, Jesus fasted in the desert for 40 days and yes. 40 nights. Oh! And the idea was uh, Jesus had to go out into the desert and he didn't eat for 40 days and 40 nights while the devil tried to tempt him over and over and over. So both Anna and uh, Echo. Damn, the devil would have worked on me. Oh, hell yeah. Especially because at one point the devil's like, want some bread? And I would have been like, yes, I love bread. Yeah. Be like, oh my God, carbs? Hell yeah. Right? Like, no. Like Echo even refuses chicken later. So like, I don't know how long he was fasting for but i don't think it was like that long well because see i think they did like a metaphorical fast in terms of like anna gives up vulnerability Mm -hmm. anna can't Mm -hmm. cry and echo gives up his words he can't speak like i really like how you get that sort of like the idea of because that's very catholic too is the idea of holy sacrifice within catholic theology there is this very prominent thread that sacrifice giving up whether it's your life or something like it's why we give up things at Lent and predict like not why like there's a whole story behind that like that although Lent literally is <laughs> before Easter yes but I mean in terms of like the theology that weaves its way through the idea that giving things up it can be a gesture of of fealty to God and loss just loves some martyrdom and also, think about it how sure this does. is probably one of the last things that Echo says for 40 days. I know. That hurts my feelings. So they're sleeping and they're hearing some noises and immediately Goodwin, like, books it. Echo kills two of Goodwin's friends right in front of him and he has to pretend that he doesn't know them. Yep. Honestly, that must be really hard. Oof. That scene is so, like, that. watching the one back, especially Anna with the rock... I had two thoughts mm. on that. I was like, it's interesting. I like that they make it clear that Anna didn't mean to kill her. Yeah. or And didn't even think yep. she had killed her. But then watching it back, Goodwin's response of like, she's dead. There's yeah. such, there's a bite of disgust in his voice. You don't notice mm-hmm. when you first see it. And then when you watch it back, you can see that that's clearly a problem for Goodwin. I think that's where he starts 
things start turning. I mean, I honestly, like, okay. I think, I think he yeah. was going to try to have her back. I think if she had, hadn't figured out about him, I think he would have led them into capture and then argued for her, you know, on her behalf, honestly. But then again, now I'm thinking about how, like, you know, we're talking about how maybe Goodwin isn't the person who is making these lists. Yeah. Now that Now that I'm thinking about that, like, we were talking about in the spoiler section of our recent episode with Jillian and found about how the people who we're seeing on this Island Mm -hmm. and um, in, you know, barefoot and in these raggedy clothes, maybe are a different faction of the others than Goodwin is from. So Hmm. maybe all of this is a moot point. I'm not sure. Moot point. (laughs) All right, Rach, the big question is, does he like you? Right? Because if he doesn't like you, this is all a moot point. A moo point? Yeah. It's like a cow's opinion. It just doesn't matter. It's moo. See, I actually think... I'm pretty sure we know that it's the same faction. Yeah, I know. Because, um, remember, we get the reveal uh, finding later certain things in a setting... Remember, we find the costumes, like. Oh right! So it. Oh I yeah! Feel like it's right, right. pretty. We were thinking pretty certain that it's the same group. We were thinking of the T E M P L E. Yeah, but yeah, I th- I'm pretty sure we're meant to believe that those are are Goodwin's people. Okay, right. Just because we find those costumes later. Okay, yes. Thank you for the reminder. Thank you. So, yeah, Oops. Echo killed him with a rock. Hey, day two. Or no, Anna kills, Anna kills that one up. woman with a rock. Or is Anna and the rock That's later? later. I, that la- Anna and the oh, rock Oh, okay. Later. Sorry. I conflated the two of two them in my head. <laughs> my bad. Sorry. Okay. Day two. Day two. Let's speed it up, friends. Yes. <laughs> so Echo is um, upset and, you know, none of them have anything on them. Echo takes off his shirt because, and he like literally never wears a shirt again, question mark. Thanks so I guess that. he just doesn't feel like he deserves a shirt anymore. As um, the, Or maybe he can't find one that fits. Can I just say as. Yeah, I'm not mad at it though. A woman who is a member of team yay, thick men. Thank you, show. Thank you. I don't need him to have yeah. a shirt. I mean, the men on this show really... I'm not going to complain about it. They all are Captain Kirk. None of them know how to keep their shirts on. Desmond... Like, Desmond doesn't even know how to button his shirts. I'm trying to ask you guys important questions about why Echo's not wearing a shirt. Here's the mystery of Lost. I feel like they never sufficiently he, answered he for us. probably gave it to someone off his back. No, he didn't. It was all bloody. That he is true. He did take it off because he had gotten oh. it all bloody and it was a white shirt. Yeah, so he was probably like, you know what? I don't deserve this shirt anymore. Like, this shirt needs to be taken away. Because he's a religious man. That's also, like, that's... It's very metaphorical, too. Like, the blood on white. And the fact that the white shirt would have been part of a a certain spoiler uniform. That's very significant. Yes, and none of the... And they don't have any luggage. He doesn't have any shirts that fit. So he just can't wear a shirt. Anna does have to, like... Uh, steal, unstitch the uh, arms of a jacket to find something for herself to wear, so. Yeah, she unstitches the ar- arms on her leather jacket. Um, Which is too bad, because I bet that's expensive. That was, honestly, like, I, I have to say that was pretty smart. That was a, a pretty smart decision. Although, I have, yeah. the one thing I kept laughing about when watching this episode, and this, it's when they're burying the the others they ki- that Echo killed, is the 
the hole is literally like just deep enough for a body. And you're telling me you're going to put a little bit of earth and some pofferons and some rocks on that and you're going to live next to it? That's going to smell really bad. Yeah, ew, that would stink. That's going to smell so bad. I was like, you don't need oh. to do like six feet deep. That's going to smell like ass. Is a little bit much to ask in these circumstances, but it's like more than an inch. <laughs> Not too much to ask. Come on, guys. That makes so much sense because I literally was like, okay, so you say that four of your people are dead, but you have so many more graves. I totally forgot about that. They'll have, they'd have to bury the other. Yeah, not even as a respect thing, just as a like precaution thing. Because it stinks. So Echo now will not speak another word for 40 days. Um, There are three people missing, but you know, they tried to take four. Yep. Oh, that's a number. And they're like, oh my god, they were here before us. And Echo starts making his stick. I have a question, you guys. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited about this question. Um, The answer to this might need to be discussed in spoiler sections, but I just want to bring it up. Do you think Mm -hmm. that Goodwin's people thought Echo was Echo? Or do you think they thought Echo was the person who was supposed to be on that plane? Oh! Well, because if they think he's the person who was supposed to be on the plane... It makes sense that he would be on the good people list, and it makes oh sense that they think they God. would think they could kidnap him and not really have a problem. But how could spoiler get that messed up? Spoiler should know. I know that's my thing. Is I yeah, what I, was I have to say, I, that's like, what I have to wonder. Like, yeah. Is like okay, sorry. Let's stop it. I'm gonna put this yes, down. Yes, and we can discuss it later. We're going to talk about yes, we can discuss it later. Yes, then we can use real names. <laughs> Me trying not just to call say the name word. Name is spoiler. There needs to be like, just call him Donut. Be like code name Donut. Donut. Oh my god, we his should. Name is Applebee's. No, his name is not Applebee's. We have, you have to. His name is you Burger King, obviously. Applebee's. So spoiler is now Burger King. That's okay, how we Burger talk about King. Him. So they're like, oh my gosh, we have to get off the beach. And Nathan's like, no, we can't move our, like, sick people. And also, we have to, like, keep our signifier fire burning. And Goodwin's like, glad he said it so I didn't have to look shady. Yeah. the way. But I agree with him. The way Goodwin uses, like, Nathan in, like, it's really interesting watching it back how, like, Nathan as an abrasive person just naturally guides, like, he, he, sucks in suspicion by acting super shady and never explaining himself totally but goodwin very subtly like anytime they're in a conversation together goodwin will kind of egg on him being a jerk and will say what anna wants to hear in the moment like whatever goodwin says is going to be a thing that makes anna feel like he's on the up and up it's fascinating. And so Anna's like, oh, we don't need the signal fire because there's a black box. And Cindy's just like, aha, I am here for a pilot ex- exposition. Hello. Actually, we were in the air for six hours. Then we had to turn and they don't know where to look for us. And everyone's like, crap. That changes things. That's a, like a big old yikes mm-hmm. in terms of like yikes levels. That's yeah. pretty high up there. We need to get off the beach. We need to find a safer place. We've got kids. And people who are seriously hurt. Where are we going to go? How are we going to move them? What about the signal fire? How are we all going to get rescued if we're off the beach? Nathan's right. They have satellites. The black box. We 
don't need a fire for them to find us. Yes, we do. Before the crash, the pilot said we'd lost communication. We were turning back. We were flying for two hours in the wrong direction. They don't know where to look. I love that. I, I really do enjoy that they found like a natural way to get that exposition in simply by reusing yep. a character. Yep. It was pretty brilliant because it answers any questions that you might have as to the logic of how any of that happened. Exactly. And it's not mm -hmm. some ham-fisted moment of like, oh, we found a log or Cindy just piping up out of nowhere. Yeah. Exactly. Hey, day three. Woo! Oh my God. Guys, we're doing well. We are. <laughs> so people are collecting shellfish and everything. Anna takes the sleeves off. That's her so jacket. shellfish. I know, right? Libby comes over and she's like, hey, Donald is getting way worse. He's the fourth to go. <gasps> That's a number. Wow. And he, Anna literally turns, turns around to her and says, okay, well, what do you want me to do? Oh, that's such a sad moment. Literally. Like, I mean, could they use a jack in this moment? Yes. <laughs> But at the same time, like, Anna's literally standing there going, what am I going to do? And I think also she, like, at that point, we're meant to, like, understand that she really feels like she failed. Mm -hmm. She promised those kids she would keep them safe and get them back to their mom. And she's having this moment of, like, internal, like, in the belly of the whale trying to deal with that. And I think finding out what we find about her out about her later down mm -hmm. the line there's an added poignancy to the guilt she's feeling in that moment i think that makes a lot more sense yeah. like it makes sense now but then when you find out everything about anna it's like oh god no wonder she's wrecked in that moment and just can't be like leader mm -hmm. woman can't step up for a second and let me just once again bring up that they don't have any luggage one of the things that really helped jack was that he could go through the luggage and find medicine yep and they don't have that. Yep. Medicine, tools, anything. Like, the disadvantage that the Tailies were at, and the fact that Anna managed to keep even seven of them alive oh, is yeah. a miracle. It's day five. Oh my god, what happened on day four? So they buried Donald, and, you know, one of my things was like, why are there so many graves? Oh, Answered. Great. Yeah. Um, welcome to day seven. Oh, okay. Well, been there a week. Oh, yes, exactly. A, a week. And um, they catch a chicken, so shout out to Goodwin for that, I guess. And Echo is kind of off by himself, you know, carving his stick and such. Um, Libby comes over, and she's, like, trying to get him to eat she says, like, you won't eat, you won't speak, and none of this was your fault because it was just self-defense. Would you like some chicken? You haven't said a word in a week. Why aren't you talking? Hey. It wasn't your fault, you know. You were just defending yourself. And I mean, I don't think he'll ever believe that for the rest of his life. Fully not. Like, I think, like, that's very clear that it was absolutely self-defense, yep. but Echo will never forgive himself. Nope. Oh, no. Oh, the other thing I was going to say about that is, um, so the, in part what he's carving into the staff yes. are Bible verses. Mm -hmm. oh. yeah, which in... In Catholicism, um, ritualistic prayer is a very important thing. We have like, we say, we do what we call saying the rosary, which is there's a, a 
it's essentially a necklace, but it's a Hail rosary Mary. beads. What is it? And you, Hail what Mary? you do is you do an Our Father, and then you do 10 Hail Marys, right. and then you do an right, Our Father. Right. So Echo carving not only each day as a notch in the staff, but carving prayers into it is a very um, Catholic and ritualistic way of praying when you can't pray out loud. Mm-hmm. Because oh. he's given up his voice. But every prayer, every verse he carves into the staff is a prayer in and of itself. It never occurred to me that he was like, I need a stick as paper. Because mm-hmm. it's both. It's a weapon and it's his symbol of devotion. It, it's it's multi-purpose. Which I think is really cool in terms of like just a visual metaphor yeah. of, of Echo as a character. Of the idea of this deep spirituality and religion and, and gentleness and love. And also he can dole out terrible violence. So the staff is both sides of Echo in one. It's prayer, it's ritual, it's love, it's hope. And it is something that can be used to hurt people. Yeah, I love it. Yo, you just blew my mind. I love Echo. I really do. So it's day 12. Yes. Welcome to day 12. Anna is making this weapon out of a boomerang. There is a fun fact. Yes. Tell us what it uh, is. A deleted scene from this episode shows the tail section f- survivors pulling a large parcel from the ocean. Zach and Emma hope that food will be inside, but are disappointed when the only thing inside are Australian boomerangs. Oh my god, that's amazing. <laughs> the box bears the emblem of the Melbourne Melbourne Walkabout Tours, the company Locke tried to go to go through for his walkabout. <gasps> that's a great deep cut. Um, but like that's where she gets the boomerang for her like weapon walking. Yo, that just blew my mind that it was like they pay t- so much so attention much. to like the small details. This show is so good for Easter eggs. Just so little good. tiny blink and you'll miss it things. So. Yep. And things that you don't have to overanalyze, but you can. But you can. Yeah. Exactly. It's. I think that's honestly yep. one of the ways in which Lost really does a good job when it's firing on all, all cylinders is like, you can watch the show on two levels. You can be looking yep. into like, what does Echo's staff mean about him as a person? Or you can be like, yeah, he hit a guy and now he's carving it. Like, you don't <laughs> have to go deep with it if you don't want to. And it is still an enjoyable product that is great on its own. Or you can yep. enjoy it on both tracks. And I think that's like, I think sometimes shows... It's the same with Battlestar. Exactly. It's like sometimes... I. Like, I hate to slag on Westworld all the time, but I think West... No, we we, we okay. slag on Westworld all the time. Okay, as yeah, much as we yeah. enjoy it, that show is a joke compared to Lost. Westworld has this problem sometimes where they think they're really, really, really smart and they get a little up their own butt about how smart they are and how, like, good the mystery is. And it, it makes the show almost impossible to enjoy... If you're just yep. watching it, which is no. fine. If you're not paying attention, like like attention to minute things, including last season, the friggin' yeah. aspect ratio of the way the TV was. Like if you, if your black bars were higher, it meant you were at a different time Ex- period. What the hell? Exactly. Like, and it's like, look, like obviously this is subjective preference stuff. There are people who absolutely love Westworld. I just think, it is a more impressive writing accomplishment to create a show that can function on two levels. Orphan Black does it, Harlots mm, yeah. does it. And I think it's it's the mark of a really, really good writing staff 
when the immediate thing you're watching is super fun and it's great and you don't need to get dig deeper into it to enjoy it. But then once you step back and start to do that digging into it, you find a whole other show that they created for you. I think that's the mark of a really, really good writing staff, to be honest. I love it. And if I was trying to like consider like shows that do that now, the number is very small. Oh yeah, no, it's totally. either it's either Mystery Box or it's Slice of Life. Those are like the two modes we are offered. Yep. So yep. Anna's talking about how she heard a pig, so maybe they can have bacon lol. And <laughs> Goodwin's just like staring at her weirdly. I don't know. Like I'm just wondering what Goodwin thinks when he looks at Anna. Like later he like literally watches her sleep. Like what is up? Yeah, it's I think she she reminds him of someone. Yeah, Maybe and I think wink. it's also this thing of, like... <sighs> I think it's sort of, like, odd respect. Like, she has so many layers to her. Oh, yeah, there's a definite respect oh there. Gosh. And it's also, like, I think it's... I'm trying to think of how to put this without getting into spoilers. Goodwin's people have such a black and white view on morality. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? There's There's yep. not a lot of nuance there in the way Goodwin is applying certain things. And I think with Anna Lucia, he came in with the assumption that she was not a good person. And I think in a way she kind of challenges him and then by that token very much frustrates him because if he's there to kind of pick the wheat from the chaff and figure out if there are any other good people left, Anna Lucia is a problem because he respects her. He, I think he's genuinely come to care for her, at least in like a platonic friend way. Mm-hmm. But I think he knows if he strolled on up to Spoiler and was like, here's Anna Lucia, it would not be a sure, come on and join us, Anna moment. So I think it's, there's a certain frustration where he wants to save her. Or kidnap her, depending on your perspective of the situation. <laughs> He's like, you're on my list, Anna Lucia. Uh, but here's my thing, too. And this is this is kind of getting into um, Nathan's death a little bit more. I think Nathan's death, for example, folds into this as a twofold thing of he the answer he gives her about covering his own ass. I think that's true. I think that's very true. But I also think he knew... That if Anna Lucia cut off a dude's finger, that's it. She's never going on the nice list. She's on the naughty list forever. Right. And I think right. it was both saving himself and saving her. So it's that blend of like selfishness, selflessness, manipulation, uh, trying to do the right thing where it's like, it's really impossible to say where Goodwin is coming from. Cause I think he's coming from a lot of different places and all of the motivations are valid. Mm-hmm. So another thing that we should talk about is the differences between the uh, strategy of Goodwin and Ethan. Yes. Okay. They both, I guess, went went around it in a different way. But I think, you know, Ethan was probably told, okay, but there's a pregnant one over there. So uh, get the pregnant one. You know, so he had to kind of. He was on a snatch and grab. He was more snatch and and grab. No, but we know we know from experience that insert spoiler here did not have any knowledge of who was on the planes when he assigned uh, Goodwin and Ethan. what's his face. Yeah. Um. Wait. 
Uh, middle management spoiler or head honcho spoiler? Middle management. Oh, because I, I don't think middle management made the list. No, me neither. I, I think, think head honcho made the list. And so if head honcho knows everything, then we can assume. But middle management looks so surprised in the first place. Oh, but middle management didn't know. You're right. Although, the, but the yeah. list does come up later is the thing too. Here's so the- I don't know. There's this whole thing about pregnant women, though. And so Ethan probably was just like, there's a pregnant one. We know that there's like a whole thing with the science of the pregnant women. Clearly, this is really important for us to get this one. So he just does. I mean, it's fair to say that he he reported back, though, right? Well, he was closer. That's another reason why. I was about to say distance makes a large uh, difference here is that's part of why Goodwin was sent so far away. Hauls ass out of the forest a little later than everybody else. Because he he has to actually get across the island. And I'm going to assume he drove at least part of the way. And he was purposefully banished, we know. So... Or purposefully sent out for a specific reason. Another thing that, like, I know we've checked before, but I wanted to check again, is how, like, when Ethan and Goodwin died. So, Ethan died on October 20th, and Goodwin died on October 18th. So Goodwin actually, we knew Ethan less because he didn't talk to our main characters so much, but Goodwin actually died two days before Ethan did. That makes sense, actually, now that you you think about the timelines, yeah. Yeah, it makes perfect sense. Because that that would be about the time that everyone started settling in and taking stock. So Nathan comes out of the jungle and he's like, oh, I was in the bathroom. And she's like, oh, well, we have a buddy system. And he's like, okay, sorry. But it doesn't say sorry, so he's not actually Canadian, maybe? I think probably he is lying about he's a big fat liar I think he the way he says he's Canadian honestly like I don't know if he's lying or not but I think you could definitely argue that he's lying and he's just saying that he's not he's not he's not Canadian I think and this is something that foreign travelers do a lot or what Canadians do when they're traveling abroad is you make sure that people know you're Canadian because people are automatically sort of trust or understand that Canadians are like this is Goodwin saying he's from the Peace Corps again and they like you better than us. Yeah, well, Americans have cottoned on to that and they'll say, oh, well, um, I'm Canadian. And it's like, no, you're not. No, you're not. You don't say your O's, right? Okay, here's something really important. This is something really important um, that we need to know about the whole Canada thing. Hold up, please. No one else say anything until I find it. It is not a joke. Canada. It seems that whenever someone mentions Canada, they are in fact lying. Kate claimed to be from Canada in Tabula I Rasa. Live here. Ethan, in Raised by Another, claimed to be from Ontario. Sawyer claims to have an investor in Toronto and confidence man, but this was part of his con. Nathan claimed to be from Canada in the other 48 days, but this is probably an attempt by the writers to have the audience believe he was an other, though he was probably telling the truth, but we don't think so. Uh, Locke's father also claimed okay. to be from Ontario in The Man from Tallahassee. In Through the Looking Glass, there's a whole thing about... Like, we could talk about this more in the spoiler section, but there is, like, fake Canadian passports twice. Like, yeah, Canada's a joke. So can we surmise (laughs) that in the world of Lost, Canada does not exist? Canada's, like, this made-up land. (laughs) Whenever they meant- whenever they mention Canada, it's usually because it's a- it's a lie. (laughs) That's true Um, now. We don't exist. I think Nathan's lying, but can I give you guys a hot take about Nathan? So either Nathan is just like, hey- 
Like he, they're like, why were you in the jungle for two hours? I was going to the bathroom. Why were you in on, you weren't even on the plane. You were in the air for two hours. Well, I was in the bathroom. The boy just has irritable bowel syndrome. Like, can he just hang out in the bathroom, please? Like the guy just has to go to the bathroom a lot. And that's like a problem. Yo, you know what? That's so fair for him. And maybe he doesn't want to talk about it. And that's why he's so secretive. Yeah. See, okay, you know what? That's fair. Like, don't bother me when I'm in the bathroom. I, I'm going to ruin this joke, and I'm going to say my serious take on this. Um, Dude, I was, I literally wasn't joking. Like, literally, I wasn't joking, though. Oh, frick you, Barbara. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. So the thing I, I wanted to say is, like, mm-hmm. being that this is a very consciously post-9-11 show, uh-huh. I found what was really interesting in watching it back is how this episode in specific kind of functions almost as like a weird mini movie about sort of the post 9-11 era paranoia that America went through. Oh, yeah. With, you know, passing the Patriot Act with, you know, all the, pardon my French, up stuff we did to Muslims in America and the throwing stones through mosque windows and graffiti and this sort of like idea that anyone anywhere could be the could be the evil any you know it's 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 why our airports are completely bonkers now and it's also like it shows kind of the slide into paranoia the way people talk about Nathan like all it takes is they're hungry they're tired and they're scared. And Nathan is a jerk. Like that's just empirical. He acts shady. So it becomes easy to, for Libby to be like, I'm creeped out by him. I think he must be the Even other. Cindy. And then they all of a sudden they think, I I don't believe I saw him on the plane. Yeah. You know, I didn't see him either. And neither did I. So it's this sort of, it's almost like a commentary on how groupthink and paranoia and fear can turn people into a mob very, yep. very, very fast and turn. It's almost like, you know, look at the way we treat like, uh, you know, murder cases in the news where we're overanalyzing the actions of the accused in order to try to find reasons to think they're guilty. So if you're not looking for Nathan to be guilty, you might just think he's kind of an asshole who has irritable bowel syndrome. If you're scared and you're looking for a scapegoat and the group starts to go, what about him? You start stacking up reasons together and you start telling each other these reasons and they become a narrative. Like the thing, this is ironic, but the same thing happens on Survivor is most people don't like to vote people out on Survivor. It makes them feel bad because they're ending someone's chance at a lot of money. They're ending a cool experience. So... While there are certain gamers who are able to be like, this is real life high stakes monopoly. I don't need to hate you. I don't need to think you're evil. I just need to think I'd be better off if you were gone. Most players mm-hmm. have to build a narrative in their heads. Somebody goes from being... You need an, you need an excuse. You need a reason. Somebody goes from being yeah. vaguely annoying or not in your alliance to the hell spawn child of Satan who is just the worst and evil. And if they won Survivor, it would be a travesty against God. Like, you build up... But that's how we are as a society now. Exactly. And I... Like, Twitter is a microcosm of that. Cancel culture. No, exactly. And I think this episode is like, basically, that's what's going on is they build, they're scared. And they want to reason, they want to find a source of blame so they can be less scared. They can at least have control over that. And Nathan becomes the chosen 
sticky wheel just by being a jerk. And all of a sudden, I I don't think I saw him on the plane becomes I definitely didn't see him on the plane. No, I have a memory for faces yep. and I definitely didn't see him on the plane. And it's not that they're lying. Yep. And it's not that they're, you know, but in their heads, they believe they it. They believe it. Exactly. And it's, it's definitely especially given like the era this was written in, it's very 9-11. Like there is some yeah. real commentary there. And it's also, I think like- We never left it behind. It shows you like how, like for example, with with uh, our main characters on the other side of the island, there are a couple discrete traumatic incidences that are terrible, but they have these periods between of calm, of peace. Whereas with the Tailies- it's a drip, drip, drip. They're losing people. They're running. They're losing people. They're being followed. So there's never... Constant trauma. Exactly. There's never a moment for them to sit back, to recenter themselves, to find a place where they can start, you know, f- coming at things from a more, a more logical and less panicked point of view. And it makes them more prone to this sort of like group thick. And it's it's really interesting how they how they very kind of subtly sneak in this commentary on what can happen to people who are worried about real problems. Like they have a reason to be scared. They do have reasons to suspect Nathan. He's done some shady stuff. But they take those reasonable fears and those reasonable doubts. And they turn them into, you know, brutality, into locking somebody up. That's the other thing is like, um, essentially, Nathan's in Island Gitmo. He's been locked up without due process, without being, you know, read his rights, without being accused of any specific crime, without any evidence. So it's a very, this is what paranoia and fear can do to people kind of episode. What's Gitmo? Oh, Guantanamo Bay. Oh, duh. It's where we send people that we decided maybe were terrorists, maybe, and then we don't want to let them go. So they're sleeping again, and there's another attack. You know, it's like just enough time for them to be like, okay, now it's over, and then they're back. Um, And they take the kids and seven others, including Jim, Eli, and Nancy, which are some of the names that we hear. And Anna ends up killing one of the others with a rock. Starts yelling at her, you know, good stops her. We kind of talked about this already. And she finds an army knife. And we'll talk about the army knife in the spoiler section and also in the later scene. Yes, um, right. But she finds the list of nine of them uh, Yes, in the pocket. So I did some math. And there were 23. There were 23 of them originally, right? Like Libby says. Uh, excuse me, that's a number. And then we minus three yeah. of the dudes that were taken the first night. Then we minus four of the people who died. Then we minus the nine that were taken. And then we minus Goodwin and Nathan, who both died. And then we minus Cindy, who was just taken recently. And there are four of them left. So the math is good. Oh, those are all yep. numbers. Yeah. Um, and so they're noticing that there aren't any tracks. And, like, well, first of all, they're like, Echo, you're a tracker for some reason, which we still don't really understand how the heck Echo became a tracker, really. But they're like, Echo, you're a tracker. Look for some tracks. And he's like, no tracks. And he, like, won't say anything. And Anna's just like, what needs to happen for you to say something? Which is a meme, I think, in my head. That would start to drive me kind of nuts, to be honest. Yeah. Oh, literally. Totally. Um, I would so- be following him just like, talk, talk, say talk, talk. You're the devil. You're the devil. <laughs> you're the devil who's trying to tempt him. 
I am. I just don't. I honestly, though, actually, probably what I would do is like around day three, I'd be like, all right, you're not going to talk. I will talk, talk so yeah. <laughs> much. I will talk until you tell me to shut up. Why are you Lorelai Gilmore? Because I am. I am. So yeah. this yeah, list you has are. what they're wearing, what they look like. Like, it's real heckin'. Like, I wonder if Burger King was the one who was like, here are the names. And Goodwin was the one who was just like, oh, okay. Well, here, here, here's what you're looking for. Like, maybe that. Well, because we've, we've seen Goodwin kind of yeah. disappear. On yeah. and off. So I kind of, I always kind of assumed what had happened was Burger King sent out somebody to come meet him halfway. He gave them the information mm-hmm. and then they set up the squad later so that it couldn't be tied to him going. Mm-hmm. Agreed. For example, like, because doesn't he go, there's a moment where Goodwin is missing and comes back that's like a day or two before this raid. So I always kind of assumed that that moment where we see Goodwin come back out of the jungle was he had been off dropping uh, info. Right. Oh, uh, I mean, I can see that. Yeah, I don't recall exactly when that is either, but that makes sense. Yeah, we do, like we don't know exactly when it is, so it's who knows. It could have happened off screen, but yeah, I assumed that he had been in the future. You know how someone will uh, leave information in a yes. designated place. I assumed yes. he either had person to person contact or he left the information at a drop point, and they came yeah. and they picked it up. Not that exact drop point because we know that um, a certain other other. Oh no! It would have to be a it would have to be a different drop point because they're yeah, on a whole other side of the island anyway. Exactly. Yeah, another person. Used but I figure they have a bunch of drop points. Yeah. Oh yeah, so they have to. Nathan is like, oh, maybe like the people who they already took told them like who we were, and she's like, nobody knew anybody. Night one, I didn't know anybody, and you're just hacking shady. You were gone for two hours yesterday. What? Where were you? I was going to the bathroom. Hey, stop! We're all scared. It's like a paranoid here. We don't know anything. He's right. Why would they try to infiltrate us? I mean, that's... It's crazy. Well, whoever they are, they know we are here. We need to leave this beach. You said we needed to keep the signal fire burning. I think it's time we let it go out. And he was gone for two hours, like, and he was like, I was in the bathroom. He's just embarrassed about his IBS, but whatever. (laughs) Um, And so Goodwin, like, stops them and everything, and they're like, oh, you know what? It's time to leave. We have to let the fire out. And Goodwin's like, you know what? It's time to let the fire out because I'm, you know, a good person. And now I don't care about the fire because we took all the people that we wanted to take. Definitely. He is not just saying like that is the thing, though, is if you notice whenever there's a moment where like he might come in conflict with anything Anna Lucia wants, he up until uh, later when he tries to like be like, you should let him go. He will always come around to Anna Lucia's point of view, Mm -hmm. which is like, for the record, that's a very con artist thing Mm -hmm. is just agree with the person you're conning. Tell them things they want to hear, but not in an obsequious way. Just always seem to have the same opinion, back them up, always redirect. And because people people tend to approve more of people they feel are like them and think similarly just because that's how our brains work. Yeah. So Goodwin, basically, if you notice any time there's a point where he might come into contention with Anna, he, he immediately backs down and defers to her point of view. Mm-hmm. 
which is like, yeah, that's how you keep from being, you know, Nathan's like, no, you're so wrong. Like he could not come off more guilty if other than if he was guilty. Exactly. I mean, honestly, I think he was off in the forest. Like I always kind of wondered if he found like a hatch or something and was like screwing Mm. around on his own. (laughs) (laughs) That would be funny. I always wondered like what was up with him because it felt like he was doing something. And since we have Boone and Locke wandering off and finding the hatch in uh, the other side, I always thought it would be kind of funny if he had found a hatch, but because he's such a fucking dick, he was like, nah, it's mine. I'm not sharing with anyone. That would make perfect sense. So it's day 15. Yay. So they're still trekking and they're stopping at this little stream and they're like, oh my God, we've been walking for three full days. And she's like, well, you're still here. Frick. (laughs) And Nathan's like, you know what? You can go if you want, but I'm staying here. We've got a rock wall at our backs and we've got water and fruit. So sounds like a pretty good place to me. You know what? He's right. And so she's like, fine. Okay. So they stay there. And then we are here at day 17. Here's my big thing, okay, is that she starts digging this pit near this waterfall that they are, or, like, this stream that they are living at. Yeah. And she digs the pit, and then later they end up walking another two days to get to the arrow. Are you accusing Lost of occasionally getting a little (laughs) turned around on directions or how long it takes to walk places? But then I kind of made sense for it myself because then they, like, find Jin and... At, like, on the beach. So clearly they must be, like, still kind of around. Because we know that they don't go inland. You know, oh! You know what I wonder? Because that's where the others come from, you know? So, like, they must still be around the same what place, if I guess. Goodwin, like, what if Goodwin is yeah. kind of keeping them in the same place? Oh. Because we know he's oh helping gosh. Anna navigate. Right. I don't know. Like, I'm... Oh, my God. He's just been taking them in circles. I think Anna and and Echo, who's supposed to be a tracker or whatever, would notice. But, I mean, (laughs) Echo's going to be like, listen, I know we're going in circles, but I can't say anything. Although, I mean, here's my thing is, like, a tracker doesn't necessarily mean you're not going to notice you're going in circles or you're going to notice that, especially, like, in the environment they're in. Like, you're in a jungle with a bunch of identical-looking trees. Exactly. Especially if it's somewhere if right. it's uh, somewhere you've never been before, you're not familiar with it. Now, mm-hmm. if he had been, like, making, like, and this is my other thing is, like, where I feel like the show maybe skipped a little bit, and I'm just going to assume it's not so much that Echo is a tracker, it's that, like, he's the one who feels like maybe he could do the best job at it. Right. Makes sense. Because if he was, like, if you are a tracker, you're going to start making notches on trees you're gonna start making trail signs like lock in order so you yeah so you don't get lost because at the very least if you're navigating somewhere you've never been if you create trail signs you'll know when you loop back around right so like sawyer calls echo the like their tracker and echo's like i I guess right like it's like i i try right like i'm i guess i'm okay like i'm Maybe (laughs) nobody else knows how to do my best. Although when you think about it, actually that does make sense that he would be the one who would draw that short straw because of Mm. all the people there, everyone else is from a city. Echo is the only one who seems to have any experience in living in a part of the world that is at all either rural or non metropolitan, you know? So I think it might just be by virtue of, like, he's the only one who has any experience living somewhere that's not metropolitan. 
Gotcha. I don't know. I just think that Anna would be more vigilant about it, but I mean, I would too. Although, you know, you never know. I mean, Goodwin's like he could he could do it. He could probably get him to. And that's the other thing too is like I realize. Y- in terms of like going in circles in this jungle, they don't have a compass. The only way they're going to be able to do direction is basically by looking at the sun. <laughs> like that's their only option at this point. So I would believe, especially since we have no indication that Anna, like we even get the indication later that Anna gets them lost, you know, like she's not great at yeah, this. Yeah, true. So I, I can accept that somebody like Goodwin who knows the terrain would be able to gently steer them from making like double time in a straight line to doing like a weird zigzaggy roundabout. Especially since uh, good that's whole Goodwin's whole thing. I was in the Peace Corps. I know how to do this stuff. Totally true. So I'm going to I I, I like to think he was leading them in like just a circuitous stupid path. Another thing that I just realized I funny. was that like Anna and Libby this whole time have been like, are you a doctor? No. Are you a doctor? And at no point they were like, Bernard, what do you do? <laughs> Bernard's like, I'm an actual certified doctor, actually. Although to be fair, but I'm not doing anything. He's a dentist. Still, okay, though, but like, you know, he knows. Here's enough. my thing. I'm not. G- he also went to med school, right? I'm not sure what the rules are on dentistry and med school. You don't have to. Or is that dentistry school? Like, is it a totally different thing? You don't what? have to go for super long. Like, that was literally on Brooklyn Nine-Nine. That was a that was a plot point. Was that you don't have to go to a school for long to be a dentist? Yeah, they, it, Jake's trying to prove somebody did something, and he does it in part by being a snot. That's just the entire plot of Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Oh, was that that one? Was that the episode with Sterling K. Brown? Yes. Okay, yeah. That was that a good episode. episode. But... So Anna and Libby are having this conversation. They're saying, oh, you know, Nathan's really creeping us out. Like, can you believe that one of us is one of them? And actually, like, that's kind of a fun fact because there is episodes later down the line. One, Like, there is an episode called One of Us and an episode yeah. called One of Them um, that come up. So that's funny. Um, and, you know, they never suspected Goodwin. <sighs> and my big question Not even is, for a second. when I did Anna finally go, oh, my God, it's Goodwin? I... I have a suspicion on that. And I don't think I watched this back actually a couple times just to make sure because Mm -hmm. I couldn't find a moment where there was like, it felt like they had shown the moment where Anna figured it out. So I don't think there is a moment. What I think is actually when he starts pushing back about Nathan, she starts to get Mm. the seed in her head. Right, you're like, you're the only person who's like, maybe it's not Nathan, and that's weird. Yeah, who's super intensive, and he's ve- he seems very certain about it. And then I think she starts to like, because she's a smart person, it starts to kind of percolate. It starts to make her worry. And then they find the radio, and he's all, oh, I'll go to higher ground by myself with this right. radio. And I certainly won't accidentally lose the radio. Or, you know, call my buddies and tell them exactly where we are. So I assume what happened was she's been having these suspicions. She's been worrying. So she's going to go with him. And if she's suspicious, she feels paranoid. And if you notice, like, while they're walking, she starts asking him very, very pointed questions about what's going on. And he starts answering in all the wrong ways. Totally. And another thing also is that he's just like, let me go off by myself. And she's just like, oh, that was another thing that I didn't like about Nathan. We have a buddy system, you piece of crap. And I think also it's like, I think she's had 
I think Anna Lucia is like from everything we've seen from her and given that we do find out next episode, she's a cop. She's a smart person. She's very like, I think it's important that we see her work through the Bernard situation in real time, really, really fast. This is a woman who is able to kind of process things and to work through them and to come up with a logical situation in the middle of stress. And I think what we're seeing with Goodwin is her logic brain clicking back on. She was so guilty and scared and angry about Nathan and feeling stupid and like she should have known Nathan was bad. And I think once after Nathan disappears, I think she starts to wonder. I think in the back of her head, she's always wondering if it really was Nathan. Yeah. Because he he never does admit it. Like any good leader, like she should be questioning her own decisions because she should be like, you know, self-policing. No, exactly, exactly. And I think, I think ever since, I think that scene where Goodwin first pushes back against her and she starts to like, for the first time, she looks at him with a little bit of suspicion. Mm-hmm. I think it's a slow tipping point. And that day when he volunteers with the radio is just like, that's the edge of it because she gets the chance to get him alone to start asking these questions. And the way he's answering them is so suspicious. Right. But we are still on Nathan. So let's continue on with Nathan. Yes. Um, Sorry. Yes. Sorry. And he doesn't even see it coming. Yeah. So uh, it's day 19. Um, Bernard and Nathan are trying to set a trap and Anna kicks Nathan in the face. So, ah, the knockout counter. Back to zero. Reset it. Uh, but I reset think it's it. Bernard's like, oh, hey, Anna. Whoa, 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 whoa. Anna, what's up? <laughs> oh my God, I love that. And so they put him in the pit and she's like, you weren't on the plane. And he was like, um, yeah, I was. And she was like, we were in the air for two hours. And that's actually a continuity error because multiple times they have said that they were in the air, air for six hours. Um, even in this very episode, they say that they were in the hour for six hours or in the air for six hours. That slipped through the edit. So actually people have like theorized that maybe she was asleep for most of it because she had so many tequila and tonics. Very possible. Um, or that she was lying to him to see if he'd correct her. Oh, true. That's fair. That's fair. And so she's like, oh, I didn't see you. And Cindy's like, oh, me, or like, I didn't see him on the plane. Cindy's like, me neither. He wasn't on the plane. What? We were in the air for two hours. I didn't see him once. Not once. It's a big plane, Anna, just because you didn't. No, I didn't see him either. I'm pretty good with faces, you know, of the passengers. And I did not see him. You're not all serious. He never talks about himself, Nathan. Every time I ask him anything, he just dodges. No, if he really were one of them, why would he still be here? I don't know, but I'm going to find out. Uh, He never talks about himself. So, I mean, clearly that means Goodwin totally talks about himself and just like Mm -hmm. makes garbage up all the time. Well, he's got Um, his Peace Corps story. And she goes over to Echo and she's like, are you cool with this? Like she has to ask Echo's approval because Echo's like important to her. You know, and I, oh, totally. Like I love that. The other thing I was going to say too about like, because I don't think Goodwin offers up all that much more information, but what it is is how they do it. Goodwin gives out a few little answers, especially right at the beginning when first impressions are being formed yeah, and makes himself seem very helpful, very open. Mm-hmm. Whereas Nathan is squirrely and you have to wrench answers out of him and he's very vague. So even though they are actually, as far as we can see, giving out about the same amount of personal information about themselves, Goodwin... It, made a good first impression and then 
backed it up by always saying things that make people feel good. So you're not yeah. thinking Goodwin's never told us anything about himself. Also, his name is Good. Win. Yeah, no, literally. Yeah. But I think that's the other thing too, is like, I think that's part of why Anna Lucia doesn't want to believe it's him is because he's always been such an ally and he's been so good at playing this role. And he's been right by her side the whole time. Exactly, exactly. And also like so- the Nathan is like, like I said, let's be real. He is acting so guilty. Like, what is this guy's job off the island? What does this idiot do? No idea. Yeah, he just doesn't. Like, it's true. He doesn't talk about himself. I'm sure he like always dodges. So it's like nighttime. I've always honestly kind of wondered if he was not just like legitimately like a criminal or a killer or something. And it is all just bullcrap and lies. And that's why Goodwin is like, he's not a good person and why he's Mm. so comfortable killing Nathan. Like, I've always wondered, like, what was, who was Nathan? Why is Goodwin so chill about his death? Like, he doesn't even... Like, we can, we can talk about um, this later when he, like, kind of talks about it, but, but, you know, honestly, like, later, we know why Anna Lucy is not a good person. We know why good, why Echo is not considered a good person. Yeah. But Bernard... Cindy, Libby, I have no idea why these people aren't considered good people. I I think it depends on the person who has classified them in the first place. Yes. But I would who knows with Bernard? Yeah. Although I kind of think with Libby, this is like just this is headcanon. Mm. And because, you know, Libby's story just gets cut off and we never yeah. find out what, you know, what's mm-hmm. going on there. I think that I always liked to headcanon that Libby had a similar backstory to Hurley. Right. And that she had inadvertently hurt somebody or led to a situation that got somebody hurt. Mm-hmm. And so she's, quote, not a good person. Yeah. Because in some way she was involved in some sort of tragic accident. And that's why she is in spoiler herself. Right. Yeah. And like, who knows about Cindy, honestly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> cool. I, and- Maybe Cindy's just like, maybe Cindy kicked a dog once or she's like a bitch sometimes. Yeah, maybe Cindy's just rude. I don't know. Who knows? Yeah. Like Cindy, Cindy doesn't tip. Cindy doesn't tip. Yeah. And so she goes over and she's like, where are the kids? And he's like, I don't freaking know. And so she's like, where are you from? And he's like, oh, I'm from Canada. And of course it's like, is he from Canada? Maybe. But of course, Ethan said he was from Canada. And so we're like, Canada, Canada's, a, Canada's evil. But at the same time, if you're from Canada, you always answer from Canada. Like, you don't give your, like, a province because no one knows. No. I was also just on this side of the pond, too. The pond. We're on the same goddamn We're on the same continent, bud. Uh, I was going to say there is the joke in America about, like, if you're going to lie about having a girlfriend, you say, oh, it's my girlfriend. You wouldn't know her. She lives in Canada. Yeah. Okay. I didn't know that was an American joke until someone was like, oh, my God, you're real. People kept laughing at Sam because she would have to quite literally say, my girlfriend lives in Canada. Where are you from, Nathan? Canada. What were you doing in Australia? Company retreat. Where are they? What? The rest of your retreat, where are they? They weren't on the plane. I stayed a couple extra days to sightsee. How come nobody saw you on the plane, Nathan? I was in the lavatory. For two hours? I don't remember seeing you on the plane, Ana Lucia. That's because you weren't on it. 
Yeah, so I always kind of thought that was actually a, a, my girlfriend who lives in Canada joke. Right. The idea of like, where does where am I from? Oh, I'm from Canada. Mm-hmm. You wouldn't know it. It's a small town. Yeah. <laughs> like, I always kind of thought it was that. That's how we answer things, though. I mean, True. but let's be real here. Like, most Americans do not know small American town names, let alone Canadian town names. I can't exactly. Name, I straight up could not name you every single province off the top of my head. Like, I have to admit Man, that. I could do it. I can't even do that. Well, I can name the 50 states, and there are more of those. So. Okay, I cannot do that. So cool. I can name the 50 states because they embedded a chant into my brain when I was a young person. <gasps> was it the Animaniacs one? It sure was! Yes! Okay, we should move on before Robin kills me. <laughs> um, so there was a company retreat in Australia <laughs> and that's why he was there and the reason why the rest of his company isn't there is because they left before and he stayed to sightsee. Which honestly, sounds fine to me. And she's yeah. like, well nobody saw sounds you legit. and it was like I still think he's a murderer. You know, it was like in the air for two hours. Two hours, quotation marks. He's like, I was in the bathroom. Boys has IBS, let him live his life. Um, it's a big plane, too. <laughs> and so he's like, oh, I didn't see you on the plane. She's like, that's because you weren't on it, which is like a badass line. That's pretty chill. Yeah. But A badass and completely incorrect line. I have a question now. She's asked him all the questions. Yes. He's answered the questions. What could he have possibly said? Or could he have possibly said anything to convince her that he was on the plane? Could he have, like, been like, oh, yeah, I remember this because this and, like, the other stewardess was named this or, like, whatever. Like, I like what could he have done? I think yes and no. I think part of it is, like, the affect with which he answers mm-hmm. her. He's very flippant. He's very sarcastic. And also the answers he gives are, like, it's kind of like, well, why? where were you? Well, I was at a company retreat. Why were you alone? Oh, they went home and I went sightseeing. There's absolutely no detail in any of his answers literally and he's like like this is clearly like a almost a life or death situation at this point she's making you want a freaking hunger strike. and he's very and he's like and he still won't answer the questions the way she wants him to. and he's almost like openly antagonistic totally. about it which is why i'm like i think he's like a murderer or something <laughs> on the low is because what normal human join the club nathan because it's like but seriously though what kind of person who hasn't experienced scary trauma and violence of this nature responds yeah, like exactly. that totally like i could buy belligerent i could buy anger but the way he sells it feels honestly like career military sitting there like name rank serial number you get mm-hmm. nothing else out of me yeah but he could just be like a dick dude I, who knows maybe he's ex-military honestly like i could buy that he's ex-military and that's why he's good at this but but, like, if you look at the answers he gives her, they are incredibly vague. Yeah. There are no details in any of it. He's not from, you know, Ontario. He's not from Edmonton. He's not from Vancouver. He's from Canada. Yeah. What was he doing in Australia? Oh, he was on a company retreat. What company? Exactly. Like, there are no details. There's no effort to make it seem at all like he's not just spinning a story. And between, I think, the, like, kind of defiant come-at-me-bro affect and the complete lack of detail, like, before we know Goodwin is the bad one, as an audience, I think probably most of the audience really did think it was him. Totally. Like, there's no reason to think it's not. And I think, I think if Anna had had some time to chill out and if she wasn't running on guilt and like literally eating onions out of the ground as a meal and you know because that's the other thing is like 
These are people who are hungry. Totally. They are they're obviously sleep deprived. They're dirty. They're cold. They're, you know, yeah. tired. Like just kill me. And it's the the decisions you make when you're under physical and psychological stress are often not the decisions you would make if you had, you know, a little bit of a Kit Kat. Give me a break. A distance, uh, you know, distance or like five seconds to think. Give them a break. Break them off a piece of that Kit Kat bar. You're not yourself when you're hungry. I don't know. I I honestly can't tell you maybe if he had cried and broken and given her like babbled about his fifth grade picnic until she was like okay Jesus fine <laughs> who knows maybe she wouldn't have believed in them I honestly think it's like kind of a coin flip as to whether she could have ever accepted it or if she was too far gone and needing to believe it was him to have a solution yeah but I do think the way he sold it was like no rational human being alive listens to him talking there and goes, he seems real believable. I would definitely put my cards on that guy being honest and fair and good. So it's fair day point. 23 and, you know, he's been in there for like four, three or four days. And she's like, where are the kids, Nathan? And he just isn't talking, which is obviously reminiscent of his buddy Echo who feeds him bananas. And so she tries to hit him with a rock, which also is reminiscent of when she hit Sawyer with a rock. And there's a banana peel. And so she shows up and she <laughs> blames Bernard because she's like, who's the nicest person? Bernard! Yeah, literally. And Bernard's like, what the heck? Well, also, like, I mean, Bernard even is just like, okay, like, listen, it wasn't me. But also, like, what if you're wrong? Yeah, yeah exactly. Also, like, I, I love it stealing the lead for me that uh echo being the one to do it yeah like i think not only is it like an act of conscience but it's because they do have this they form a unit together mm -hmm. and i think he's trying to protect her from herself in yeah. that moment and it's good cop bad cop but i don't even think it's good to cop bad cop because i i think echo never intended anna to ever know he was feeding nathan i think mm. it was supposed to be a secret yeah well, that's so another I thing is it's just like Echo, I bet he has so much to say to Anna. He's like, I would tell you so many things about, I would try and like convince you that what you're exactly. doing is wrong, but I can't, I can't right now. I can't break this. Because he made a vow of silence. Exactly. So he's like, I, so this is all I can do right now to try and protect you when I want to, but I can't. Exactly. I think it's like, one, it is the right thing to do, but also they do have that deep emotional connection where I think he knows being the per kind of person she is, if his death was on her conscience and she found out that he was innocent, Anna Lucia is not a person who can move beyond that. Anna, she is not like, look at the way, like tiny spoiler, but she very much assumes responsibility for what she did to Shannon. Mm -hmm. Despite the fact that it was an accident, she takes on, it was my hand, it was my gun, I did it. Mm -hmm. accident or not and I think Echo sees that in her and and I think shares that with her a little bit and doesn't want is doing anything he can short of breaking his vow to save her from those consequences and like little does Jack know but like that's the gun that Jack handed Sawyer when he was gonna go on that raft yeah like that's the gun do you everything guys, old is new again i don't think that echo would have let it go on if he had known but like do you think echo knew that it wasn't nathan and knew it was goodwin before Anna no. did? Absolutely yeah i don't not. think so either or else echo would be like it's that one 
I think Echo would have literally taken the tip of his staff and written, it is good when you yeah. dumb asses in the dirt if it came to that point. I think he didn't yeah. know. Because I exactly. also don't think he would have let Anna go off with him True. alone right. if he had known it was Goodwin. Mm-hmm. So Anna's just like, it was Nathan's idea to stay on the beach and, you know, they haven't come since we put him in the pit. And Echo has like this arm tie on his arm. I don't know what that's about but i thought it was cool um and it turns out that it's echo who was feeding him i was wondering about that arm tie i wonder if there's like a scene where he like injured himself and we just didn't see it maybe yeah um so anna and goodwin are at the river and nathan's been in there for four days (gasps) yep oh that's a number um and she's like listen i promised that little girl that i was gonna get her home and i still have to like try and find her and he's like oh do you have any kids spoiler thoughts spoiler thoughts spoiler thoughts and she's like no so she's like, oh, tomorrow I'm going to cut off his finger because, you know, cop interrogation. Yep. And I guess, like, does Goodwin feel bad? Is he like, let's put him out of his misery before she tries to cut off his finger? Like, is that part I, of it? I, I, I good brushed question. over this a little bit earlier, but I think it's honestly, like, I don't think it's just one thing yeah. in this situation. I think when he tells her later, I did it because you might have cut off his finger and he still would have told you yeah. that he was on the plane and that would have sped up your suspicions that it had to be somebody else because who doesn't confess when you cut off a finger but I also think it's like I said I think Goodwin really does want to go to bat for Anna Mm -hmm. I think he wants to bring her into the little cadre and if she's going around chopping off fingers she doesn't get to play you know cool kid games with him she can't be on the squad yeah. So I think it's a it's a moment of it is self-serving and it is selfish and like I need to cover my ass. But I think there is I think arguably there's an element in there of knowing what we know about the fact that he did go but go to bat for her several times. I think it's probably a combination. It's one of those things where like who can say which is the more dominant in, influence on why he does it. But I think yeah. both of them are in there. So yeah. Uh, later that night, Goodwin helps Nathan up. And of course, you're thinking like, oh, no, Goodwin, like you're making a terrible mistake. Oh, no. And then you're like, <gasps> oh, it's such a good reveal. A plot twist. And so he, he's like, oh, you have to run to the beach and everything. And Nathan's like, oh, OK, which way? And he like fully just murks him. That's such a good reveal. Such a good reveal. A good reveal and one that like I think is iconic. I do, too. I think that's one of those moments in Lost where really like. I I think that they do a really good job of not tipping their hand that Goodwin is the problem. Totally. So it's genuinely a so moment subtle. of like, whoa, no. what is happening? Now I have to reframe everything I thought about. Yeah, rewatch the full Which, episode, totally. For the record, I think that's a really, again, another really good narrative convention in terms of like, I part of the reason I think Anna Lucia is so messed up by the time we meet her. It's not just what she's been through. It's the fact that she trusted Goodwin so much. Mm-hmm. And she yeah. came to rely on him so much. Yeah. And it's, it's kind of like, it's always that much worse when like, you suffer some sort of betrayal by a friend. You get played. Because then you have that expectation. Yeah. And you what you have to go back and like, just like we as an audience, have to go back and start thinking, oh, so when he said that, it actually meant, or, oh, no, so his motivation was, yeah. it makes us, it puts us in that same gaslit place as Anna Lucia of everything I thought was reality, the way I was looking at things, who I thought I could trust, I was so wrong. 
I was so catastrophically life and death wrong. How can I ever trust my instincts again? Yeah, it would mess up your entire way of Goodwin's thinking. Goodwin's death is so close to when we first meet her. You know, she's still in this place of like, I don't think yeah. I can trust my instincts about people anymore because I was so wrong about Goodwin. And if I hadn't been wrong about Goodwin, I could have saved the kids. I could have saved everybody else. I could have, I wouldn't have thrown Nathan in a pit. Nathan wouldn't have died. Like, so I think she's in this place of like knowing that she made the wrong choice and that choice was involved trusting somebody she shouldn't have. So she's in a place where all her trust sensors are just like, no, I I can't rely on my own instincts. Yeah. And she's like, everything I'm doing is wrong. So like, you know, she has her gun out and she shoots Shannon and she's just like, wow, there. I mean, I guess I'm just off my heckin' groove then. Yeah. <laughs> Everything's garbage. On Poor day 24, they all wake up and Goodwin's watching her like a weirdo. And Ugh. I'm just wondering, like, we know that Anna finds out that Nathan had been killed and everything, but do you think that the other four ever find out that Nathan died? That that Goodwin killed Nathan? They have to. You think so? Like, did she tell? Did she tell them that Goodwin? Oh, not that Goodwin, that Goodwin killed them. I don't think. Yeah. I don't know if tactically that would have been the right move for her as a leader. I mean, I think it's kind of up to chance, and like, I'm sure like there could be a really cool like. To, you know extra scene that obviously wasn't didn't you know wasn't for the what they were doing where like she has that conversation with echo and libby mm-hmm. but i do think at that point especially since she doesn't she doesn't tell them she killed goodwin like they ask where goodwin is and she just goes exactly. what is it like we're gonna be safe here now or something like it's so i think at that point she doesn't like not only like does she is she in a very like a weird mental place? I think she doesn't want to talk about it. Yeah. Like I think genuinely she's embarrassed. She just doesn't want to bring not and embarrassed and guilty. Mm-hmm. And also I think there's that thing of like it's also she cared about Goodwin, and it is really hard. I think even in retrospect, like she cared about him and then she killed him and she lost him. And there's this level of like, I don't want to talk about it because it hurts. And I don't want to talk about him because as angry as I am at the person, like the totality of the person he turned out to be, it's not like the, the affection and the respect she felt for the pieces of him that she got to know before can just go away yeah yeah she she misses her friend exactly so it's like not only has she killed someone and found out that she was so catastrophically wrong and almost gotten killed herself and been through like this physical act of violence she misses her friend she misses her touchstone and she has to reconcile the idea that the person she misses wasn't real. Wasn't real and yep. was also the person who almost killed her half an hour ago. So I think it I think I would I would say I don't think she I think she just didn't tell him about it. Yeah. And I think when they asked her, she just gave them a flat look and kept walking in that Anna Lucia way. Yo, I would have been like that one kid going like, um, that's not how people communicate with each other. <laughs> oh my god. Dude, I'm sorry. If I was on this show, I would be such a problem because I'd just be like, okay, guys, 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 before we go running off. Gossip sad. Before we go running off, let's sit down. Let's have a little talk. 
Let's figure out where our heads are at. Let's try to, Does you know, everyone have their water? I would, li- Brittany, you know me. I would literally be like, all right, let's go down the checklist. How's everybody yep. doing? Are we feeling yep. secure? Like, straight up, like, if I'm anybody on Lost, I'm Hurley. I am yeah. 100% Hurley. I'm the person who's like, yeah, I get it. You need your water. But can we have a golf course? Because otherwise, everybody's going to go crazy and eat each other by Tuesday. Yeah. So Cindy comes running up and she's like, oh my God, Nathan is gone. And so they're like, okay, well, they found us. Like, let's go. We got to run. Time to book. So on day 26, they're walking, you know, across like around the ocean and everything. And they're like, I guess two days away from the pit, but like kind of around in the same area. I'm not sure. And then it's day 27 and they find the arrow. I can't believe they found the arrow. I know, right? It's crazy. Okay. Also, can I, I just want to say something. And this is like, this is such a deep pull that I honestly don't know if they did it on purpose or not. Mm-hmm. But um, in Catholic tradition, there is a martyr named St. Sebastian who was killed by arrows. Yeah, yeah, that's the name of Jack's hospital. Yes. Okay, so if it is, then this is definitely on purpose okay. because Anna and Echo are two martyr characters in okay. the sense of sacrifice. Uh, Echo literally, you know, at some point, like... So St. Sebastian's arrows are the arrows that killed St. Sebastian. And I really, I enjoy that you get this brief, like, look at, like, when you're dealing with certain uh, themes of, like, martyrdom and sacrifice as, like, ritual and as appeasement to God. Mm -hmm. I love that you get the idea of arrows in that same moment. And yeah, it's definitely on purpose then. I forgot that that was uh, Jack's uh, hospital name. Yeah. Yeah. By the way, can I just say Jesus Jr. working at the hospital (laughs) of martyrdom is like, this show is so on the nose. I could die and I love it. But it's on the nose in the way that, like, people like me or, like, even, like, Robin wouldn't figure oh, yeah, out it's, unless, it's like, like, someone like you came along and we're like, <laughs> look at that funny joke. And we're like, huh? That's the thing I really do enjoy, though, is because, like, sometimes when Catholicism works its way into art, it becomes the people who make it, especially since for whatever reason, lapsed Catholics tend to make a lot of creative art. I don't know what that says about Catholicism, but it is what it is. You have to have, like, a working knowledge of Catholicism to understand some of it. Whereas, like, with this, it doesn't matter if you don't know who St. Sebastian and the arrows are. And it doesn't, it's not plot relevant. It's just really funny that the guy who is literally named Jesus Jr. works at the Martyr Hospital. Like, that's great. So, this is the arrow. Echo is opening it. And this one also says quarantine. It's weird. Because we know that... There's a partial thing with the swan about kind of being like, you know, Jack thinks like there's quarantine, but no one's sick, you know, like it's a mind game and everything. Mm-hmm. But yeah, but we know the arrow was a was was like a storage facility slash for um, 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 what's it called? Like uh, battle plans and stuff. So I'm not sure why it says quarantine on the arrow, except to be like, oh, it's the same. Get it? It's a, also a Dharma hatch. You know, I think that's what it's probably. Yeah, but if it's a storage facility, who's to say they're not storing nuclear weapons? They, oh, that's They true. could be storing a uh, dangerous material. Exactly. Or right. honestly, like just straight up, I wouldn't put it past uh, Dharma to label things as quarantined that aren't quarantined. Just because most people Fair. see a sign that says quarantined. And, and like, are less willing to risk their own physical health. 
to see what is behind right. said sign. True. Like, if it said, stay out, they'd be like, ha-ha. Exactly. Like, quarantine, they're like, whoa. Like, there's a difference there. One of those just says, I don't want you in here. The other one says, eh, you might not want to be in here. <laughs> That's don't, totally good. Don't dead Fair. open inside. <laughs> so... Anna finds a control panel, and this place has electricity. I can't even imagine. Like, they were like, oh my gosh, a hatch. This is crazy, right? But, like, this place, they're like, oh my god, it has electricity. I would lose my mind. This must be mind-blowing. Oh my god, mind right? blowing to all of them. Also, I have to say, it shows, I think it does, just kind of even at a glance, show the differences between, like, what they've been through and what it does to people. That when yeah. our people find the hatch, they're like, showers do it up and when these people find the hatch it's just like they're so beyond the idea of comfort that they're on to the practicalities of life like what can this Uh very practically do for us in a way that helps us stay alive because can we lock this door the fact that like a locked door must be amazing to them a locked door no exactly and like because they came up with that very elaborate knock to let them back yeah. in. So it's like, I feel like for um, them, they're just like, showers don't keep you alive. Like, that's where they're at in their heads. Right, Who cares right. about being dirty as long as I'm alive? I mean, it does so, help you keep your friends. Yes, this is yeah. true. <laughs> Although, I would say, I would argue that there hits a certain saturation point when everyone is yeah. filthy and smells like moldy buttholes. No, uh, you get nose blindness. Exactly. No, straight up. Yeah. Like, the people on, this happens on, yet again on Survivor, is their clothes will literally start to rot on their bodies. But because they're all out there in the dirt and the filth, they can't smell it until they get like a reward and they get to change into clean clothes. And then they come back and they're like, oh my God, this camp smells like zombies. (laughs) (laughs) So they find a chest in the arrow. There's a Bible inside, which is obviously for Echo. Um, And there's blankets inside and they find a glass eye. I can't, I'm going to look up like what that's about probably is more spoiler section thing isn't that what's his is i kind of assume that was what's his face the russians yeah isn't that yeah i think so too but we have to talk about that later and then there's also a radio yes so they're like okay we have to get to higher ground which is like exactly what saeed told us (laughs) at the beginning of season one and so goodman's like okay i'll go and anna's like um we'll go together Okay. Okay. So another thing that we learned from the Lost on Location was that Michelle was talking about how Anna Lucia is very intuitive, and that's something that she really likes about her. Mm-hmm. She is intuitive. She knows when trouble's coming. That's what I said. She's been working it through in her brain. She's, yeah. She's got an and instinct so- on her. Anna Lucia is t- asking Goodwin, like, why do you think they're attacking us? And he's like, oh, maybe they aren't. And she's like, they fully are, but okay. Um, and he's like, well, they took the strongest first. They took those guys and also tried to take your quiet friend. None of them know Echo's name. Echo stopped talking at, during the second day. Yep, before he gave his name. And nobody knew each other in the first day. Before they gave his name. He, like, he literally shut exactly. up before he gave his name. And I'm like, really, you couldn't trace it in the sand, man. Yeah, so no one knows Echo's <laughs> name. Like, I wonder what they call him. I don't know. But she's like, oh, well, they didn't take you. And he's like, yeah, maybe they, you know, were like, whoa. <laughs> we tried to take a bunch and it didn't really work out so they stopped and i'm like okay well then why didn't they take you the second night then or the second time and it's like if they only took there the strong holes. uh why take the kids yeah exactly Full. fully we only fully. took the strong and also the children also the children and so they're gonna take a break and he's like can i have the knife and of course everyone's like no <laughs> don't give him the knife Hannah. and so she gives him the knife but he gives it back i don't think he would do you think he would have hurt anna i think if he had to 
Because, yeah, I don't okay. think he wanted to, but I think he would have. The way I read that that scene yeah. is that they're trying to size each other up. She's trying to figure yeah. out if he's the mole, and he's trying to figure out if she's figured it out, and then if that means, he, like, because he floats the idea of, well, maybe they're not attacking us, you know? Maybe you could see it this right. way. Yeah. So I think it's a it's a conversation. It's almost like one of those, like, a spy movie where the two spies are, like, circling each other and kind of fainting and, you know, the fight hasn't really mm-hmm. started yet. I feel like that whole scene, like, the lead up to them walking up there and the sitting and the talking is just the two of them kind of already knowing that the other deep down knows and trying to figure out how much they know and how it's going to go. And it's just the two of them like sizing each other up like fighters at that point. There's nothing better than seeing two really good minds go head to head. And also, I don't think Anna Lucia went in there. Sure. I think she had. No, I think. I think she and that's the other thing, too. I don't think she wanted to believe it could be him. And I think that's why she keeps pushing and asking these questions is not so much to trap him as to just prove me wrong. Prove me wrong. I don't want to be right yeah. about you. And I think like yeah. Goodwin had been like, what are you even talking exactly. about? Exactly. She'd have been like, oh, lol. <laughs> yeah, it would have been that thing of like, oh, Christ. I, I think it could have even like. You scared me. If he had played yeah. it right. Sorry, I'm paranoid. It could have even been like a conversation of like, oh, God, Goodwin, you don't even. I thought it might have been you, man. Like, I'm going nuts out here. I'm losing it. Like, I yeah, feel exactly, like totally. if he had kept playing her, it could have gone right. But at yeah, that yeah. moment, I think also, like, and I, some of that, I think, too, is the respect thing. It's not that he doesn't want to he- lie to her, but it's that it yeah. has become harder and harder and harder to lie to her. And at this point, and, 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 I, also, and I also wonder if he's like, oh, like I was wait, I was wondering how long it was going to take you. And also, I don't want to lie to people exactly. anymore. I want to go back to my old and life. And also, it's like, look at the way he handles that conversation. It's bringing up constantly the idea that maybe the others aren't so bad. Maybe it would be yeah, okay. That's the fascinating maybe. part. And I think uh-huh. he's trying, I think in the same way where she's trying to figure out, can I, are, are you one of them? And if and then if you are, do I need to take you out? He's trying to figure out, can I convince you being one of them isn't a problem? Like, he keeps trying to bring up this perspective of, like, well, what if you don't know their motivations? What if, you know, this, that, and the other? And she shuts him down. And I think that's the moment he basically decides this is not going to go well. This is going to turn into a fight is when she not only very clearly picks up the sketchiness that his answers aren't right, but she shows absolutely no interest in entertaining the idea that these, that the others are anything but bad. The thing that fascinates me is like, it kind of makes me wonder if he was trying to size up, if she would be open to coming back with him. Oh, I think 100%. I think that's what he was doing. Yeah. Like I think he had grown so attached to her and thought that he could pitch her living or staying alive to the middleman. Man, dude loves affairs. Yeah, he sure does. And it's also like, I think too, it's like that idea of like, in the way that Lost is like a microcosm of people challenging each other's assumptions and finding out that the story you hear about someone is never 100% accurate because it doesn't include why they did things, their side of things, what led them to those points. It's why, you know, it's why literally legal systems 
have mitigating sentences based upon circumstance. You know, you can kill a guy, yeah. but depending on how you killed him and why, it depends on what what totally. your sentence will be. So, yeah. It's and, a difference between self-defense, manslaughter and murder. Exactly. So, I think I think yeah. for Goodwin, given certain things we know about his background and and the level of indoctrination he has obviously faced, I think Anna Lucia is one of the first people Goodwin's ever met who is challenging his concept of like, we know who's good, we know who's bad, we know who's right, we know who's wrong. Oh, I, I just really quickly wanted to bring it back because it's something that I, I realized was um, like, you know how we were talking about how Cindy was like, I didn't see yeah. Nathan on the plane. Like, it's interesting. I don't know why this like came to me, but like, it's interesting to me that she was like, I don't didn't see Nathan on the plane, but I'm sure I saw Goodwin. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I think. Like when she fully yeah. didn't. It's in human in human engaged societal instinct that yeah. when a old white man says something, you believe him. And it's also like going mm-hmm. back to like the nine eleven paranoia kind of thing of the idea of it's why um, uh, leading the witness is a problem in trials. It's why cops yeah, can totally. it, it's why there you know there are so many problems, especially with the policing system in America, with how we question people. Because oh, it's worse. Here. If you scream at somebody, you were there. You were wearing a purple shirt. You saw it happen over Brendan and over Dassey. and over. Exactly. If you tell somebody something enough, you can start to it. convince people of it, or at the very least, make them start to doubt themselves. Mm-hmm. So let's say you know that's gaslighting one on one. Exactly, yeah. and it's also like it's very easy as a group when the consensus goes that way. Like when Cindy says that. She's feeling friendly towards Goodwin. She's feeling negatively towards Nathan. And the group is already moving towards this consensus. So it becomes easier to think to yourself, you know, yeah, I I don't remember seeing him. So that means I didn't see him. Yeah. So it's yep. it's easy to turn, you know, to turn in that way. And I think it's 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 funny because it really is that thing of like memory we like to think it's like we have a video camera in our head and we all remember everything that happened to us but (laughs) all we all we do is we remember our perspective upon the situations and if people push us we can change our memories exactly and also like flight attendants like usually i don't know about giant giant planes like that but flight attendants like they stand there and they greet every single passenger and she says like oh like i'm pretty good with faces but it's like you know you've been through a trauma like you can't trust your memory like that it's been a while and also everyone else is saying i didn't see him i don't think i saw him so it becomes easier to be like yeah yeah you know i don't think i saw him either now that i think about it yeah that little tangent was my fault but i'm gonna bring it back (laughs) now (laughs) um so she's like hey how did you find bernard and he's like oh i heard him on the in the like from the beach and she's like um is it because he saw you out there and that's why you pretended to be one of us can i ask you something sure Anna. You ran out of the jungle the day of the crash. How did you... How did you find Bernard up in the tree? I heard him shouting from the beach. From the beach? Why are you asking me about that, Anna? Did he see you out there? Is that why you pretended to be one of us? 
You ran out of the jungle ten minutes after the crash. You weren't wet. You were never even in the ocean. You weren't injured at all. So, like, what's up? And he's like, if torture didn't work, you were going to start getting suspicious. And she's like, oh, my God, like, did you kill Nathan? And Nathan was not a good person. That's why he wasn't on the list. So now we're like, okay, so only good people are on the list. It's like, I find it hard to believe if we're just like, Cindy's a bitch and that's why she's not on the list. Is that like all of these, uh, like all nine of those other people were good people. Right. Like, what are the criteria? Like, what's going on here? And so she's like, where are the kids? And he says, the kids are better off now. Oh, with that creepy look. Um, which honestly is fair, you know? Because they're get. I mean, they're getting food and stuff. Yeah, right? but his so, look there is so creepy. So creepy. You're like, you murdered children. Right? Like, it's like those kids are being eaten alive right now. That face says nothing good. <laughs> and so Anna Lucia kills, like, they have a tussle and Anna Lucia kills Goodwood. And like, oh, dude, literally, like, the lead up to this, like, is so incredible because every single time we've seen Goodwin up to this point, it's like, oh, his name was Goodwin. And Jin is like, oh, others? And he's like, yes. And it's just like, remember what happened with Goodwin? And it's like, I don't remember what happened with Goodwin. I'm sorry, but what happened to him? You know, it's like this whole time you're just like, they're like none of them, but none of them talk about Goodwin. Yes. So they're not going to correct anybody. It's so good. So masterful. It is. And I also like, I, I enjoy how the remember what happened to Goodwin thing is vague. Especially yes. because they don't know exactly what happened to him. They just know he died. Yeah. <laughs> like Anna yeah. Yeah, They just know he's gone. Yeah. Uh-huh. And I like I assume it it would become very clear that Anna had either killed him or witnessed him die and that he was the bad guy, especially since yeah. she no longer seems to worry about a spy in the camp. Yeah. So but it's also like it's just such a it's such a great build-up moment. Also, it's the thing that I found really, really interesting, and I don't I, I think honestly it's very subjective and I don't even know if the show is trying to say something in specific, but Goodwin, I feel like he's baiting her at the end hmm. because she lunges at him. He doesn't make a move at her. He makes her attack him. And the things he's saying, like he moves from trying to convince her to trying to kind of cajole her to his side to smiling like that big ass dick grin and being like, mm-hmm. the kids are in a better place now. Nathan wasn't a good person. Like, and he yeah, gives her like, that weird that? serial killer grin. And I think, I honestly think he was baiting her to get her to attack him in the, in this way that this oh. is all a weird morality test slash Skinner box, you know? Yeah. Because he doesn't, I, I always thought it was weird there that he forces her to make the first move and that his behavior like flips on a dime to become really. Yeah. And we never see Goodwin be smarmy. Like spoiler, Goodwin will show up in flashbacks and stuff later. We don't yeah. see that smarminess out of him. So that doesn't. He's not a gross dude. He's not gross. No, you only ever see like someone who's actually like pretty kind. And yeah, like he doesn't yeah. seem like a saint, but that moment where he just grins at her and implies that maybe something bad is happening to the kids with his affect is like, and he knows Anna Lucia, he knows that kids are basically her rage button. So I, I almost feel like he's baiting her there. Like he's trying to get her to come after him so he can kill her almost like, or who knows, maybe he doesn't want to kill her. Maybe it's yeah. that. Maybe he wants to be able to go back and say it was self-defense. Yeah. And I think also it's right. that and maybe a little tinge inside of like, I don't want to take the swing at you. 
if you attack yeah. me first, the story I can tell myself at night is that I did everything I could to save you and you just wouldn't take the hand. And maybe yeah. he does have military experience because that's some serious undercover work. Well, since we we do know that there there have been people who were with the army and the special yeah, forces yes, on yes. island, I kind yes. of assumed... I love how carefully that was worded. Yes. Yeah. I, I, I kind of assumed that there must have been some sort of inborn training that they are training right. people to... Because, like, uh, for example... Um, the character that I think it's perhaps possible that Goodwin is reminded of seems to have very extensive military training for someone who had no military training before she went to the island. Exactly. So right. at the very least, I think we can assume that there is some hardcore self-defense lessons going on. And so, yeah, Anna goes back and they're like, where's Goodwin? And she says, well, we're safe here now. Yeah, we're fine now. I forgot to talk about our Patreon. Oh, way to go, idiot. Talk about your Patreon. Um, so Patreon is a service where you can donate to some of your favorite creators monthly. And um, our lowest one is $1 a month. So the way that Scott puts it is uh, don't buy yourself Starbucks once a month. And um, yeah, hand it over, girl. Hand it over. <laughs> um yeah, but uh, seriously, it really helps us out. Um, we're able to uh, pay for the things that make the podcast better, and it all goes right back into the podcast. So uh, if you're interested in doing that, please consider donating because it really means a lot to us. And our Patreon is patreon.com slash theafficionados. We also have a survey, and the link will be in the description of the podcast. And basically, it's just like, tell us about you. Perpetually open. Yeah. And we just want to hear about some of the things that we can do better and some of the things that you like already. And also some things about you like uh, dogs or cats. You can also pick both if you want. Cake or pie? Cake. Pie. pie. What? Oh! <laughs> I don't know how to respond to that. Also, I want you guys to know that while you were talking, I was putting away something and I am now covered in glitter. It like, is the herpes of craft supplies. Oh, great. I support you. You know what this reminds Literally last episode, I poured water all over yes, myself you and did. you made ah. fun of me. So. Um, yeah, but that was funny because then we were like, ha ha, Robin winter pants. <laughs> you know, because I'm going to be 30 next like year adults. and I'm an adult. Okay, so now it's day 41 and they're trying the radio again. And this is when we get oh, the reveal of Boone. And it turns out that the person who Boone was talking to this whole time uh, up in the in Deus Ex Machina was Bernard. It was somebody who he was who wasn't even going to be able to help us at all. Why are you wasting your time with that thing? There's no signal. I only turn it on a couple minutes a day. It really doesn't. Hello? Hello? Anybody out there? Mayday, mayday. Is there someone there? Hello? Hello? Who is that? Repeat your transmission, please. We're the survivors of Flight 815. No, no, wait a minute, what are you doing? It's them. Oh, he died for nothing. Which is kind of disappointing, but also a really great reveal. He died for nothing. R.I.P. Boone. There are some line discrepancies also from Deus Ex Machina, but that's okay. And also the voice in on the radio in Deus Ex Machina clearly wasn't Bernard, but like, what can you do? They didn't yeah, it... cast him yet, and they probably didn't even know. Yeah, they, they did what they could. Anna Lucia, like, turns it off and she says, it's them. It's the others. Like, they're just trying to figure out where we are and, like, bait us and stuff. It's interesting that, like, they don't use the term the others, though. I like that. They just say them. 
It's interesting. I like that, especially because um, it adds just a little bit of a note of realism. Like, okay, I stopped watching The Walking Dead before this happened because I got bored. <laughs> but mood. in The Walking Dead, later on, they meet another group of people who call the zombies something other than walkers. And that's actually very... If if the Tailies started calling the others the others, I would have to call BS on it. Because why would that mm-hmm. term spontaneously arise at both camps? Like... Also, I do believe that the, where the phrase came from for our heroes was Rousseau. It's from Rousseau. It's from Rousseau. She calls them yeah. the others. So it makes yeah. far more sense to not mm. have that terminology for the Tailies because why would yeah. they call them that? I actually really appreciated that they took that into account and didn't just randomly be like, yeah, the others. We have no reason to call them that, but they're the others. Yeah, let's call them the others. And so he's like... Oh, they know our flight number. And she's like, Goodwin knew our flight number. That's how they know. And there aren't any other survivors. So it's interesting to me that Rose is like, my husband is still alive on the other side of the island. And Anna's saying, Bernard, your wife is dead. And Bernard, like, I don't See, know. I, like, what I think mean? Bernard doesn't have the same faith that Rose does. I think so, too. I think he's not as See, um, 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 intuitive. No. As See, I think he has the same faith. I don't think he has the same force of personality. That's true. Right. I think Rose is willing to plop her butt down on the beach and wait for her husband if that's what it takes. Like, she... Yeah. Jack could tell her, like, God himself could come down from the heavens and be like, Rose, you need to move, hun. And she'd be like, sorry, no. Waiting. I'm sure. Rose, your husband is up here with me. I think... She'd be like, no, he's he's here. Yeah, you're lying. She'd be like, show me the receipts. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. So I You're think, a liar, God. I think it's, like, we never hear Bernard at any point say he thinks Rose is dead or express at any point any sort of loss of hope. I think he has a yeah. similar hope and a similar faith, but it's quieter. And I think he's also dealing with Anna Lucia, who is, like, what she if he puts up a fight there, nothing good is going to happen. She's going to take the radio, like, she took the radio already. Arguing with her at that point is not going to work. So I think it's, I think Bernard has the same faith and the same hope, but it's a lot quieter. Yeah. Because we do, we do see him stand up to Anna Lucia, but in, you know, he's just not the same sort of, like, how he expresses himself is much gentler than how Rose expresses herself. And also, it's something that he has been holding on to this whole time, because as soon as the raft people show up, and they say, hi, we're the other exactly. Oceanic Flight 815, the first Bernard, thing like, out of his mouth. You know, he doesn't meet them when they're in the pit, he meets them in the arrow, and uh, like automatically they have a quick chat about it, and Bernard walks right over there and says, hi, like, do you know if my wife is alive? Exactly. I, that's what I, I think he has that same exact, and I think it's just like, in that moment, Arguing with Anna Lucia is not going to help anything. It's not going to get him the radio back. And honestly, she might be right. You know, like, yeah, like he much like Rose, he has no. And I think that's the other thing, too, is he's not going to have this argument with Anna Lucia where he says to her, no, my wife is alive. There are other survivors. And she's like, no, no survivors. He's like, no, I know. Well, how do you know? I just know. Like, I know, and she'd be like, that sounds dumb. And Anna Lucia would be like, you're crazy. Or she'd be like, you're the other. Exactly. Like, yeah. Oh, exactly. I, so I think, for, although I think at that point, I don't know if, if she would assume he was the other, but I think it would just be like, Bernard seems like the kind of person who in general is happier to kind of not have pointless fights. 
Yep. Yep. Like totally. we see him get snappish a couple times, but mostly we seem to see Bernard having not a passive personality, but just he's being not Rambo. Exactly. Like he's comfortable. Like he's not a guy who likes to argue. He likes to hang out with Rose and he likes, you know, watching his shows. And so I think for him, yeah. he's just like in this moment, especially since, I mean, given what they've seen of the others it at that point, it's not the out of the question that, Especially since they right. took the radio from something they can assume belonged to these people. Exactly. And also, like, shout out to Bernard. Like, the man is elderly, and he is doing these hikes, man. He is keeping it up. He's doing a great job. Well, you gotta be fit to keep up with Rose. I love Bernard. It's true. <laughs> um, so we have the scene where Anna finally cries. Oh, God, I love that scene. And it is, it looks like it's actually, like, quite a while after she kills Goodwin, because she kills Goodwin on day 27 or 28, Mm -hmm. and she doesn't cry until day 41. Yep. So, like, what, other than, like, the radio, which is the thing that we just saw, like, that day, like, what spurs that? I think it's because she got to rest for a second. Yeah, I literally think it's, like, they hit a point where they could stop for a hot second. Yeah. And it's, it's kind of like that thing of, like, like, when, it's almost like when you're in pain, like, literally, if you can keep moving, you can yeah. kind of keep going through it. The minute you stop and sit in it and, like, and when I say literally keep moving, I mean either physical movement, mental movement, any sort of, like, distraction. And then the mm-hmm. minute you have to, like, sit in it and there's nothing else pushing you and there's nothing else you can, like, focus and pin to the front of your mind, everything comes flooding That's in. when you're done. And yep. I think that was yeah. her moment of just, like, and I think that's why... That's why it ends up being, like, sort of this twinned moment of, like, release for both of them beyond the obvious emotion is, like, I'm sure for Anna this feels like a failure because she she feels like she has to be strong and, like, she can't have these moments of vulnerability. But it's not a failure. This is, this is actually the healthiest thing Anna Lucia has done since, like, the first day yeah. they landed. Exactly. And I think it's, it's this... It's so sad that that beautiful moment of like release and acceptance and bearing each other's burden and like just being there for each other is followed up by something so tragic. I think it really is just this point of like, she's had a goal. Keep us moving. Keep us running. Keep us going. And if they're gonna stop, what else is there to keep her mind off what she did and what she's lost? Exactly. Yeah, so she's crying and Echo comes up and comforts her. And I think, I I can't remember the exact quote, but I think it's something like, it's going to be okay. Or like something like that. And oh, also like Adewale in the um, Lost on Location was saying- It's what she says to the kids in the first episode. Yeah, true. Or like the first, yeah, the first day. Or the first day, sorry, the first, yeah. (laughs) It feels like the first first day. Um, It really does. I'm like, this whole series. But uh, Adewale was saying in the Lost on Location that it was exciting for him because in the first, like, beginning of it, he got to be clean shaven and in a suit. And he was like, whoa. And so, like, he grew this, like, dope beard in 41 days. So that's pretty cool. Way to go. I like that. Um, It took him 40 days to talk and it took her 40 days to cry. And, of course, you know, we've talked about, like, the religious implications of that already. Yeah. Um, also, fun fact, there's some arm continuity issues uh, in which, like, in the close-up, her arm goes, like, over top of his arm. And then, like, in the wide, like, her arm is, like, underneath his arm or something. It's just a whole, it, yeah. I did not even notice. I was going to say just, like, one thing I really, really love about yeah. this scene is 
Anna Lucia, unfortunately, a lot of the time kind of tends to slide into the like spicy, fiery Latina stereotype where, you know, she's badass or she's sexual and it's, and then with uh, Echo, you do have a lot of moments where he literally is a big buff black man kicking ass in a very physical, intimate, brutal way, which is a stereotype again, like, but in this moment, you get something for for a for a you know a latina woman and a black guy to have this moment of just Mm -hmm. gentleness and intimacy and connection and not sexualized not (laughs) seinfeld not that there's anything wrong with that but like it's so easy it would have been so easy to have them make out there and so cliche and instead that's so weird to think about now but yeah instead just doing this beautiful close in on you know, the tender way they hold each other and the way she cries and the way they're both so vulnerable and open and and just raw, but in this in, in a way that is not usually given to characters who fit those two stereotypes more often than not. And I think it's one of those moments where really Lost really shines by taking the stereotype and moving it to a place that transcends that and becomes about seeing vulnerability and and the sides of characters that we usually don't get to see so i i love that moment i think that's like one of the peak moments where lost steps outside like sometimes it's stereotype it leans on stereotype and it just blows the lid off of it yeah i'm i'm so in love with it just as a quick moment of tv also it's gorgeously shot like everything about that is just i feel like you know, like Leonard Cohen's uh, Come Healing should be playing in the background, like this big orchestral swell. Um, so day 45, Cindy and Libby are on the beach and they see Jin. Um, so he's all blindfolded and he says some Korean and usually I'm out here translating the Korean that Jin says, but unfortunately <laughs> it didn't say it on the Lostpedia. Um, Come on, Lostpedia. So, I mean, if anybody knows anybody who says Korean, who speaks <laughs> Korean slash um, can understand Korean slash you can understand Korean. Please, I'm so interested to know what Jin says uh, in that moment. And she's like, oh my god, like there's a broken handcuff on his wrist. Like he's like, like oh, he might not be a threat, but like, but he has a broken handcuff on his wrist. He doesn't even speak English. That doesn't mean anything. Anna, we found him in the water. He has a broken handcuff on his wrist. I'm not sure that is a threat. <laughs> He's running! And so, but Jin, like, runs, and he finds Michael and Sawyer. And, of course, you know, we've seen this already. Yep. We've discussed this already. But um, when they put them in the pit and everything, Anna's like, hit me. Echo's like, okay. She's so <laughs> smart. It's Anna. She's so And, of course, smart. we talked about this also, but, like, Anna won't let Sawyer kill Echo. That's kind of her breaking point. And then we have a montage of days four, 46 to 48. And she ends up shooting Shannon, and of course, we'll see the consequences of that. But I also have some whisper transcripts. All right. I love the whisper transcripts. Hit us with it. The other 48 days, the shooting of Shannon. We probably have a lot of it that's similar to last episode, but um, we'll go through it anyway. German for I don't know. Anna's the trigger is something that they say. Oh. Anna's the trigger. You're gonna kill her. Oh, God. Move on. The gunshot happens, and then they say... See ya. That's so creepy. That's and then there's so like, creepy. and then and then it says, and then it says in the right audio track, or sorry, the left audio track. It's like a chorus singing after the gunshot. 
That's scary. What okay. the hell? Anna's the trigger is really interesting if you yeah. think about what happens later with Anna. Yeah. That. Oh my, guys, oh my God. This is so scary, you guys. I'm getting like chills. Okay, so the center so audio cool. track says Shannon. Says Shannon again. And then, oh my God. They say your life and time is up. Oh my God. They say, oh my God. This is so scary, you guys. <laughs> okay, okay. But we were kind of talking about how like, even though, you know, it doesn't really make sense for, like, season six things, that a lot, like, it was very clear in the Whisper transcripts last episode that this was meant to be Boone talking to Shannon, right? So they're saying, help me, and Shannon, meet me on the other side. Oh, That's my God. That's literally what the Whisper is saying. You know what? And they also say, they also say Anna Lucia reversed. What does that mean? Like, like, literally, like, no, I mean, like. Oh, her name. Like, like there's a reverse thing. Yeah. And if you reverse it, they say Anna Lucia. You know, I actually think some of that might work with the season six stuff we know about the whispers. Uh Uh-huh. Given what we know about how a whisper is created and the level of connection a whisper assumedly might share with the island once a whisper is created. I'm trying to be really vague in how I say this. What I have to wonder is if it, maybe it wasn't, Boon, or if maybe there's some way in which if there is something of an idea that there is some sort of shape and pattern to all of this and Anna Lucia is a trigger Shannon has to die to get Anna Lucia to the point she will later be at when things happen and if Anna Lucia doesn't die at that moment by you know things a whole lot of other stuff does not get kicked off so i'm wondering if it's not so much boon as if it is okay do you guys know like the african legends about hyenas uh there are a lot of stories among tribes about hyenas it's part of why like we tend to process them as being like threatening which is also because their laugh crosses into the uncanny valley and we don't like things that remind us of us of us but are not quite us but um it used to be uh there are certain tribes i can't remember which ones that have legends about like hyenas calling out in the night um either to children or using the voices of dead people and that they would lure people to their deaths Almost sort of like a siren. That's scary. Oh my gosh, what a siren type of thing to do. So I'm almost wondering, and who knows, maybe it's a retcon issue. Maybe it's just an ear issue with kind of coherency in terms of the continuity on this one. But it could also be if we are operating under the idea that there is a certain level of predestination and people who understand sort of plans maybe Shannon was let out there to die under the impression it was Boone, but it was not Boone at all. It's the island pushing things along in the direction in which it would like it to go. You mean, sorry, you mean like the whisper is is like supposed to like pretend to be Boone, you mean? Or at least make her think it's Boone. Right, okay. But she was chasing Walt. She yeah. was, but I mean in terms of like the whispering of like, come see me on the other side. Like if it's yeah. a subconscious oh. thing. And there's more, there's more. So like the right audio track. First of all, whoever is making these, like thank you so much because I can't even like imagine uh, listening to the whispers talk. Like 
this is scary. I'm, I'm honestly getting a little bit of shivery thinking about doing it yeah, myself. Yeah. <laughs> so on the right, let me see if I can find anything different on the right audio track here. There's, um, they're just saying Shannon a lot. They say dying sucks, which like we talked about last episode is like an homage to something that Boone says yeah. in the flashbacks. Um, they say Shannon again. Um, and then this one says, I don't think you should tell her when she comes. What's that supposed to mean? I don't know, but that like comes where? Fascinating. And then, and then this one says, I want to see Shannon. And then after the gunshot goes off, they say fire. Because see, this is, I'm starting to wonder now about like the sinister whispers as a siren kind of thing. Because here's my thing. It's definitely not actual Walt Shannon is following. Like, mm right something is yeah sort of we had like a whole conversation about this in the last episode i haven't Honestly, listened to I don't that remember what we got what we like came up because i'm like it can't be um you know who who can use the deceased can't be that yes so who knows who knows what it is but i have to given that shannon was led out there purposefully it feels like she was led out there to die Yes. So I have to think if they're willing to use Walt, maybe they're also willing to subconsciously like play on the boon thing, constantly calling to her, reminding her of him. Right. Because I, I think we have to believe that whatever was manifesting as Walt, whatever was leading her out there, goddamn knew well she was going to die. Like that wasn't like a pleasure cruise. They were taking no. her out there to get shot. Which means they wanted Anna Lucia to shoot her. Which means they want like it, it, it hits that point where you're like, God, what's free will and what's what's what was put into motion? Yeah, and it makes you wonder if there's anything like that resembles free will on that island after all. Anna Lucia pulls the trigger. The island doesn't pull the trigger. She could have in that moment not done it. But she's been led to that place. She's had all this trauma and she does pull it. So it's like, but nobody made her do it. So I feel like that's almost kind of where the the line is between free will and destiny on Lost. The island, destiny, whatever you want to call it, will push you right up to the point of the decision they want you to make. But you have to pull the trigger. And I think that's why there is the possibility of redemption in this show. Because if everything is predestined, there's no point. The island leads Shannon out there. The island leads Anna Lucia and all them back. But in the moment, only Anna Lucia can pull the trigger. And all the island can do is try to make everything as conducive to trigger pulling as they can, you know. That's terrifying. Yeah. Oh, yeah, isn't it? Because it also yeah. shreds the difference between free will and predestination. Because if you're led to the moment and everything is set up to make you want to do it and you're manipulated and manipulated and manipulated, how much of your will actually is free when you make the choice? Like, it's a very scary thought to think. Exactly. Yeah. It's a coerced consent, I guess you could call it. That's exactly what it is. Mm-hmm. So now it's time for segments. Uh, we're going to start with our favorite line award. My favorite line award this episode goes to Anna Lucia for... Now's not a good time to talk. What needs to happen to make you say something? Hey. Uh, it's important you can send it to your friends who aren't texting you back. <laughs> oh, I'm going to receive that for sure. What needs to happen to make you say something? Sometimes... 
if I don't answer Robin's texts right away, <laughs> um, she will just like keep bugging me until she calls me out on social media. <laughs> I have seen that. Yeah. And it's like, I'm not purposefully ignoring. I just see a text and then I'm like, oh, I'll reply to that later. And then I don't. Yeah, yeah. Because I forget. Um, and mine goes to Anna Lucia and Echo for... You've been waiting 40 days to talk. You waited 40 days to cry. All right. That was mine originally, by the way. But then I forgot to pick a quote. My bad. So I had to, I had to scramble. And I came up with a better one. I picked uh, Goodwin's creepy sociopathic... Nathan was not a good person. That's why he wasn't on the list. Like, he really does give serial killer so eyes. So creepy. Just full serial killer eyes while yeah. he gives that line. So, for themes, um, our first one is light and dark. Did you guys pick any pick out any light and darks? There was, I feel like there was a lot in this episode. Oh, yeah. There's a lot between, like, oh, oh, snap. I need to save that for uh, more elaboration on this. But I think you see kind of Goodwin and Echo as forces of light and dark acting upon mm-hmm. uh Anna Lucia in one and then you just kind of have the push and pull between you know the better angels of Anna Lucia's nature and the urge to turn protectiveness and and of desire for justice into vengeance which is you know right very it's different. like Anna Lucia has an angel and a devil on her shoulder, except the angel is Echo, and he just kind of, like, can't really do anything. He just, like, stares at her with, like, disapproving eyes, and she's like, ah, It's true. Don't tell me what to do, so I guess I'll just do whatever the devil says. I can elaborate on this, too. I'll, I'll finish this off later, but I just want to say before we start spoilers, Anna Lucia is basically Batman. Love that. Oh she's God. basically, like, she's the same archetype as Batman. She's Batman. That's fantastic. It's about time we had female Batman. Right? Like, straight up, if you, like, I'll, I'll say first the Doctor, second Batman. I'm waiting for it. Uh, first, the Ghostbusters. Oh, yeah, yeah. Then the Doctor. Ocean's 8. Then oh. Ocean's yes. 8. Mm. Now Batman. You know what I want? I want what? the Jurassic Park re- reboot where Laura Dern plays Alan Grant. Oh, my God. And, like... I don't know. Anna Kendrick can play those Laura Dern. Of, those were all of Britney's buzzwords. Yeah, like, I liked every single one of those words in those order. I straight up, I just want, like, MILF lesbians Jurassic Park. That's what I want. Oh my god, why are you <laughs> saying such great things? I live to torment you. Um, so now we're gonna move on to Man of Science, Man of Faith, so I'm just gonna name some characters. We're gonna decide if they're more science or more faith in this episode. All right. This is, might be pretty easy. Um, so how about Anna Lucia? In her good moments, she's a man of science. In her bad moments, she's a man of faith in this one. Good. Ooh. Echo, man of faith. Yeah. Goodwin? Man of science. Science, right? Yeah. Science. How about Nathan? Man of poop. Uh, Yeah. I like that one. Man of poop and banana peel. I'm like, I don't even know if he's a man of faith. I like, I feel like we genuinely do not know anything about him enough that you could even exactly. make a judgment. Yep. Um, Libby? Faith. Man of faith. Yeah. Agree. Bernard? Man of faith. Man of faith. I would agree. Cindy? I think Cindy's a man of science. I think, I don't uh, think we know enough about her general, general personality to really make an, I, yeah. I, I honestly, I couldn't make a debate either way. Like, the only thing you could say is, like, well, she took it on faith that her memory was right when it wasn't. But I would that's say about science it. because because she's like, you know, Anna's like, hey, black box. And Cindy's like, actually, these are the reasons why we can't use a black box. Yeah, no, I I think, like, I think if you're going to make a man of science probably works best. But I also think, I, 
I couldn't tell you enough about her personality to really tell you either way. Exactly. Um, how many episodes since the last knockout? Zero. Zero alas. Reset the counter. Um, does this episode pass the Bechdel test? Maybe yes. Honestly, maybe no. it's debatable. Hashtag it's debatable. So let let us know what you think. Sarah I, says yes. I think I say yes. I say yes. I also. say yes as well. I say yes, but I also say that if you say no, I I see your argument, and I definitely don't think I am any more right than you are. So yeah. okay. Oh, by the way, in Sawyer's book corner, I know it's not Sawyer's mm. book corner, but I just want to point out that Echo spends the whole 40 days carving a Bible onto his staff only to go find an actual Bible. Also, like, the items they, right. the items they find fascinate me in terms of, like, partially because I love a good video game mechanic and storytelling where you have to go into the, right. you go in the room and you find the tape. But in terms of, like, what do they find there? They find a Bible, they find a radio, mm-hmm. and they find an eye. So they find... And they find blankets. And they find blankets, but in terms of, like, the three major, like, snatch and grabs, you've got a Mm -hmm. method of clear communication, you've got Mm -hmm. a way to see things clearly, and you Mm -hmm. have literally a moral tract on what is right and wrong. And Mm -hmm. I just want to point out that right after they find the eye, the radio, and the Bible is when they figure out what really happened. I love that. That's just such a cool little, like, it doesn't really matter, but it's fun that they find three Mm. things that would help them see clear. And it helps them to literally see clear. Mm -hmm. I like it. Stay tuned for our segment after the outro. We'll be discussing this episode within the context of the rest of the series. Please be aware that this will be rampant with spoilers, so proceed with caution. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. Our music is Terminal by Good News Tunes. Please, if you are so inclined, write us a nice review on iTunes. We like those. And also, we have a survey. So, uh, yeah, we talked about that earlier. It's in the description. Hooray! (laughs) (laughs) I like how demanding that was. Yeah. If you're a fan of The 100, we like to talk about that show, too. We finished season four and season five, and uh, we're waiting for season six. Mm-hmm. And if you're a fan of Riverdale, we like to talk about that show too. We did season one, season two, season three is like literally about to start. Um, oh, I think actually like by the time this episode goes out, like it'll probably be out. started. It's yep. very exciting. And also um, this month that it comes out, uh, The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina is starting. And on the same feed as our Riverdale uh, podcast, we will be covering that. So if you are interested in that and not Riverdale, that's okay. You can still subscribe to our Riverdale feed. <laughs> And just delete the Riverdales. That's fine. I support you. There you go. And um, we may or may not, like, see- Super Ooh. Secret be doing a Stranger Things podcast soon. Coming 2019, hmm. Stranger Things. Things are getting strange, and I'm yes. starting to worry. <laughs> this could be a case for Mulder and Scully. You can follow at the Aficionados on Twitter, Facebook, Tumblr, Instagram, Redbubble, YouTube, but mostly Twitter. Mostly, yeah. We like Twitter best. Yeah. And our Patreon is patreon.com slash theafficionados. If you have a spare dollar, we would really appreciate it. Robin explained to you all the amazing reasons why, but I'm here to ask. Money, um, please. Money, please. please. (laughs) Um, You can follow me personally at Robin E. Jeffrey. That's R-O-B-Y-N-E-J-E-F-F-R-E-Y pretty much everywhere. (laughs) And you can follow me on Twitter at Britannia, which is B-R-I-T-T-A-N-I-A with an underscore at the end. Sarah, thank you so much for coming on the pod. Thank you for having me. She's so smart. Oh, do you want to tell us where we can find you one more time? Oh, yes. You can find me on Twitter at Some Other Metal. It's if you don't know how to spell Some Other Metal, you can't follow me on Twitter. It's <laughs> all one word. You can't. Sorry. You're not allowed. 
Good, we'll play. And our next episode is episode 208, Collision. And our guest is Danny Sam, who is- I love you, Danny. <laughs> We're gonna have to tell her you did that. <laughs> I photobombed it, leave me alone. That's so cute. Um, she is Sam's Jazz on Twitter, and she's an angel. And she's yes, awesome, and everyone should love her in forever. Exactly. Love her and forever. Will do. Yeah, <laughs> I was going to say, like, love her and worship her and love her forever, and I, like, split the difference in my head. Good enough. You. All right. Words. Herbal de- Okay, herbal. love you. Bye. Okay, love you. Bye. Love you. Bye. Spoilers. Spoilers. Gonna talk spoilers. Spoilers, spoilers. Oh, uh, Sarah, will <laughs> you do a live spoiler, spoilers, gonna talk spoilers? Spoilers, spoilers, we're gonna talk spoilers. I Yay! Because you are our spoiler intro every ah, single time. I love that. I'm not gonna lie. It's hilarious. Sam, <laughs> it's spoiler time. Okay, listen, we gotta like book it through these spoilers. Fam. Yes. Like, we have so many thoughts, but we gotta book it through them. Okay, yeah, because um, it's like it's almost past midnight, midnight over here. So, well. I'm not a part of your system. It's a lot West Coast, best here. coast, West Coast, well, best coast. Uh, I'm trying. <laughs> She's like, give me like 20 days and I'll be there. Okay. I will say, I already said she's Batman. Seriously, guys, she's Batman. She Okay, has... how is she Batman? Explain this. Okay. So instead of the dead parents, she has a dead kid. Okay. And oh, it has turned God, her to some... vigilante Mr. justice. She goes after the guy who killed her kid and murders him. And <gasps> then she heads out onto the island and she, like, she's basically Batman. Like, she's a badass who's, like, putting together her own weapons and, like, going on this vigilante spree in part because of the trauma that was dealt out to her through the loss of this beloved family member. Oh, my God. She's Batman. Because, like, look at, like, I'm not, I'm just saying, what's the first thing Anna Lucia, like, has to do when she gets out of the water? She has to save, save some kids. kids. And what happens? She promises the kids that she will take care of them. And then the kids get taken. And she basically goes on a revenge quest. And it's like, the kids are clearly like, what's on her mind? Like when Goodwin asks her about it, the kids are why she's doing it. So like, I mean, yeah, it's not a one-to-one, but she's basically Batman. She's a vigilante created by the death of a loved one who thinks that she knows better than the system and is the only one who can dole out real justice. Oh, you are going to love Person of Interest. I did love what I watched. I need to watch more. I'm just going to go through some of my spoiler thoughts now. Okay. Uh, Echo is in a suit. Yes. Why? Um, I think it's because he like just came from, I don't know, he's been doing priest. He's stuff. pretending to be a priest. Like that's literally, he's wearing a priest. Like, cause the thing is he's not, he's like priest, uh, Tonsures look, or not tonsures, sorry, the, uh, those are the robes. The modern, like, priest suits, they look like suits, but they have just the clerical collar. So what yeah. he's wearing is essentially a priest uniform sans the clerical collar. Mm-hmm. Thank you for saying sans in that manner. <laughs> I always say I really- it, I know it's not, I always say it like that because I read it before anything else, okay? Brittany, Dude. you wanted to talk about Emma and Zach's mom, her, the single mom. Yes. Come on, no, I had it. It was something really good, too. What, okay, so what were we talking about in regards to her? We were saying that, like, maybe, you know, the dad was the one who last got to see them. And, and he was a he, trashy like, was in Australia garbage And they, like, man. got to spend summer with I got it, them. I got it, I got it. Okay. Hurley gets put in charge of the island. Yeah. Is yeah. it at all plausible that Hurley eventually found those kids and sent them home? Yes. 
I would love that. I 10,000% believe that if Hurley ever found those children, they would be on a plane to the mainland within like And I mean, seconds. Ben would have known where they were. No, exactly. Maybe yeah. part of and I think Ben's it's like, like... it's the. I think we're safe assuming that Hurley got them squared away. The show kind of forgot about them, but I can't yeah. see Hurley forgetting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, especially because he had Ben with him the whole time, and Ben very much wanted to atone and for, like, a lot of the stuff he did. It's also kind of, like, it's a way to close a loop for Libby, too. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I'm choosing to believe that. Yeah, Me so, too. yeah, because they never, as far as we know, like, they never come back. They live with the others for the rest of their lives. So, like, I hope that that Hurley does that. You know what? That's a headcanon that I have now. Yeah. Oh, um, that was the other thing I was gonna say that's so goddamn tragic about Anna Lucia is her path on island is pretty much just repeating the trauma that happened to her in life. Yeah. Because she, her kid dies, she kills the guy who did it, and then she flees the country to go become a drunk bodyguard. And um, <laughs> That's true. But by the time, like, she's on her way home having called her mother and said, I was wrong, I want to come home, I was, like, and... Let's be real here. She kills that guy because she's traumatized. Like if she had gone to therapy and talked about these urges and been put, you know, like, and been able to heal, like she would have been okay, but she made a terrible decision and then fled. So I mean, no one on that island has had therapy. No, but I mean, in terms of like in the real world. And she finally came to a place where she was able to say, I regret what I did. I made a mistake. I want to come home. And that's yep. a level nobody else on Lost had reached at that point. Anna Lucia was Anna- more self-actualized than anybody else right then. Anna Lucia's mom is Claire's favorite character of all time on the show. Because she's a badass MILF. And also, like, that's another mom who's, like, heartbroken that their kid... Like, I'm honestly so happy for her mom that, that she was able to get that call from Anna Lucia it's- that said, you know what, I forgive you, I should have come home. Exactly. You know, and I didn't have to be like, my kid died on this plane and we were in a fight. Exactly. You know? So I'm, like, happy for them. And then, it, But then it's also, like, yeah. I think that also plays into why Anna Lucia responds so viscerally and immediately and without filter to the trauma because she's still processing the loss of her child. Like she had only just been able to admit to herself that she made a terrible mistake out of grief and she wishes she couldn't, that she could go back. And then you throw her onto the island. She has these kids who I assume would act as sort of like a redemptive in her head. She's like, I can take care of them. I can do the right thing. And then what happens to her, and I think this is, since now we're in spoilers, I can say it. I think this is what leads her to be willing to stride right up to the edge with Ben, but then also what stops her. Because she is the kind of person who can sit in an airport and call her mom and cry and say, I did the wrong thing. I I made a terrible mistake that I wish I could take back. So like she's self-actualized and logical and a good enough person to pull back from the edge sometimes when she sees it looming. But she's also traumatized and very specifically traumatized around the loss of children and feeling a lack of, of ability to control and protect those who are in her care. So it's like the island is literally her worst nightmare. It's just repeating the trauma she's already been through. So that it's like, what the hell was Jacob thinking? I think, and this is, I think, uh, I I was also going to say it's ironic that Goodwin and Echo kind of function as the MIB in Jacob for Anna Mm. Lucia in terms of like Goodwin's thing is this very like humans are like he has that kind of humans are bad 
sort of thing. And it's not like it's not a one to one, but you've got in terms of Echo being testing her and wanting her to su- not testing her, but wanting her to succeed her tests and Goodwin in the position where I think he does want her to succeed the test, but he's on the side that doesn't even want to render yeah. the test to her. So I think I think with Jacob, it's and this is something I like about Jacob is he's an asshole. He is not a nice person. Yeah, Jacob's such a jerk. And I think for him, he's so removed from the concept of humanity and impermanence and and how deeply every human being feels every short moment of our lives because we don't have eons to sit on a beach and watch. Everything matters because, you know, it could all be over in a second for us. I think for him, there is a part of Jacob that is not human anymore, that has lived too long to connect to humans. So he has an ability, like he's testing people and he's also allowing the MIB to test them at the same time because there is this lack of almost like, it's almost like the people- Humanity, there's no humanity. The people on the island are a game of Sims. You get bummed out yeah. mm-hmm. when you lose a sim that you spent a bunch of time buffing up and creating cool outfits for and whatever. And you're like, oh my God, why did you drown in the pool? You're such an idiot. But then you go make a new sim. Like you're not heartbroken because you lost your sim. You're just kind of irritated because you put in all this work. I love the idea of Jacob playing sims. Thanks so much. I think that's basically what it is. Is like yeah. the island is his big old game of sims. And like he and the MIB both have controllers. And since he's so removed from humanity, he's just like, yeah, it's totally fair that we both test them. That'll prove who's right or wrong. So I think for him, he's looking at the stuff that's happening to Anna Lucia. And like, it's like that thing of like, Alexa, this is so sad. Play Despacito. Yeah, no, like push it. And it's also like that thing of like pushing you up to the cliff oh, to no. see if you'll jump or not. I knew oh, you no. did. I knew that was going to happen, you butthead. Oh my God, oh, did no. Alexa start to play Despacito? <laughs> yeah, she's playing Despacito right now. You knew Alexa, that was going to stop playing music. No, I didn't. I totally I forgot. I just wanted to say a meme. Literally the best thing I, that's ever happened to me. I'm sorry. <laughs> Alexa, stop playing music, please. <laughs> We're going to get copyrighted, Alexa. Oh, it's a cover? <laughs> oh, Because oh, yeah. my Alexa only plays covers. Yeah, I know. I know that's weird. Okay, can we move on? Yes. Yeah. So I think I know what you're going to say. I think, I think I've kind of gotten the gist of, like, just um, with context clues. Mm-hmm. Um, but do you want to talk about your theory about um, Libby and not being a psychologist? Okay. Yeah. So, um... Ironically, like the conversation we had trying to figure out what's a clinical psychologist again was kind of where I'm basing this on is like, okay, yeah, I took like some basic psych classes in college just for, you know, GE recs and stuff, but I'm not a psych major. I that's not my specialty. I've done some like volunteer counseling as someone who's been through stuff. But the reason I know stuff about the psych business and how, you know, the professional side of that works is because I've been seeing psychologists and psychiatrists since I was in third grade. Me too, the fuck. So when you are in that culture, I could probably, to someone, to a clinical psychologist, I could not pull off an act. Like, they would know to spot me. But to someone who doesn't know about clinical psychology, I could probably pretend to be a clinical psychologist as long as they weren't grilling me and get away with it. Because when you're in the psych system as a patient, 
you pick up the jargon, you pick up what's going on around you. I assumed that what she was going to, like, that she's not employed, that she's been in the psych ward for so long that what do you do? Well, I'm a psych patient. And then I was whatever I was before then. So her answer is, well, I'm a clinical psychologist because what can she fake well enough having been in the psych ward? Well, one of the people she lived with day in and day out who, you know, gave her medicine and saw her for treatment. So I no, always... I could fake being a psychologist for sure. No, right? Like, I always yeah. just assumed... Also, you're related to one that makes it even easier for you. It, it makes it very simple. Right. I just assumed that it's her. And it's also, like, I think it... I think it also... And, like, maybe this is just me reading into it, but there is such a stigma against admitting that you have ever been hospitalized for mental health issues like Hurley hides it mm -hmm. so I assume Libby is doing the same thing Hurley did where people think you're crazy yeah so instead of saying where Hurley doesn't say I was in a hospital or I was institutionalized he comes up with ways to talk around it and I think that's what Libby's doing is she's lying because her most recent job was be a psych patient. And it's like, yeah. it's never your fault when you're institutionalized. Exactly. Like if you're institutionalized, it's because your brain has friggin' betrayed you. Exactly. And the world, and people don't understand. And I think that's the other thing too, where like instinctively, if you have mental health problems, it becomes so much easier to just kind of vaguely answer in like general terms. Because otherwise you have to spend a f***ing half hour either explaining things to people. Or convincing someone you're not crazy. And it's also like, especially think about you know, his life with Jack. this is made in 2005. Speaking as somebody, mm -hmm. like I literally, um, in 2005, I was a senior in high school. And ironically, this is the same exact year. This works out perfectly for this anecdote. I was, uh, I did my senior year on a college campus, uh, cause I, didn't want to go deal with other high schoolers. <laughs> oh my God. So um, I got to take like two core classes and then everything else I took was uh, just a college class. And I took uh, geology because I just didn't. Because you were cool. Because rocks for jocks. I, I didn't want to do the kind of math that chemistry or biology would require. I wanted to play with rocks. So I did That's that beautiful. and- I was, um, at the time I had like, uh, an, an ed plan. I was, you know, working with the psych department at the school and I was required to disclose this to my teachers, to go talk to them and say, I might need some, you know, um, modifications. I might be absent a few more days. Here is my, you know, note from the psych people saying you can't flunk me for missing too many days. And so he looks at all this and he was a nice guy. I loved this teacher even after he did this. And he says to me, you know, you shouldn't tell people about this. I was like, excuse me? And he's like, well, you know, I don't mind that you told me. It's just people will probably think worse of you and they might, you know, they might not respect oh. you or they might think you're crazy. And I was like, okay, literally, I have to disclose this to you. You're like... This is actual policy right now. But that was the attitude of like, he he's thought- like, He's right, but he shouldn't say it. And also like, he genuinely thought he was helping me out. Yeah. He thought it would be appropriate to say to a 17 year old girl, don't tell people about your medical condition because they'll think worse of you. So I think especially when you think back to the time and the level of like pre-wokeness we were in about, you know, mental health, it makes more sense than not that Libby would lie yep. about where she's been because most people's association would be, oh, you were in the nut house. How come you were in the nut house? Are you crazy? So I, I was like, yes, bitch, I'm your worst nightmare. Right. But I think actually now that I think about it in the context of the time, 
Yeah, 1000%. I think she's just lying to cover up that she was institutionalized because she's worried about what people will think about her. Which sucks. So the next one that I had was just Goodwin. You know, Goodwin is, his last name is Stan Hope. Oh my God, his name is literally Good Hope. He's married to a lady named Harper who is an actual, who is an actual psychiatrist. So do you think he sees through Libby? Probably. And he has an affair with Juliet and that's the reason why Ben sends him off. Yeah, because Ben's a jealous asshole. Yeah, I I, I still feel like Ben Um, wanted him to die out there. That was his intention. fully he did. Absolutely. And we'll talk about that a little bit longer, uh, a little bit later too. Oh, can I, can I just mention something kind of random that I think is really funny? You better do it quick, girl. Okay, so his name is essentially Good Hope. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. The Cape of Good Hope is uh, at the southernmost point of Africa. And it was a very difficult crossing point, especially during the slave trade. And it was originally called the Cape of Storms. <gasps> cool. The thesis. So I'm just saying that probably some writer somewhere was on Wikipedia and was like, good hope. Storms. Let's name it. This will be fun. <laughs> so. Let's name him Winston. No, let's put, let's take the first syllable and make that the last syllable of his name and then we'll take the the second syllable of that and then we'll put that as his last name i hate that that's how the writers think all i can say is this is a show that named christian shepherd christian shepherd and his son is jack shepherd she's right he's jesus it's jesus jesus and jesus christ like they are not particularly oh and hold the like, if you look up the philosophy names they're using, it's just like, oh my god, you guys, you wikipedia the hell out of this. In a way, I appreciate, because I do that for, like, pretentious, meaningful names. Wait, hang on. Did Wikipedia exist then, though? Yeah, Wikipedia existed in 2005, I think. Mm-hmm. Yo, you know, I'm so old that I remember a time when Wikipedia didn't exist, and I don't really want to examine that. I think it was founded in, like, the early 2000s? Okay. 2001. 2001. I was right. Wow. So, you know, Echo says he's going to pray for everybody. And, of course, you know, Echo has been, like, taking over for Yemi and everything. And I think it's something that he's actually, like, really taken to heart, obviously. He kills two of Goodwin's uh, people. And, uh, you know, I assume he promised, you know, he vowed to never kill again. And that's why he feels like he has yeah, to Yeah, it's, atone it's the uh, penitence. Okay, uh, about the army knife. I, that's from uh, the army occupation, right? Anna Lucia finds a U.S. army knife on one of the bodies of the others. This foreshadowed the reveal there was once a U.S. army presence on go. the island. That We learned that in Jughead, yeah. which is in season five. I was about to say it had to be from um, the occupation. Uh, Jughead. Yeah. Goodwin asks Anna Lucia if, she's, if she ever had any kids, and she says no because she had a miscarriage. Because she was shot. That is such a mean question, knowing that Goodwin absolutely knows what happened to her. Yeah. Like, that's such a dick thing to say. It's almost like Goodwin was a dick. Maybe the real the Good real riddance. Goodwin was the dicks we met along the way. Hey. Beautiful. No, that doesn't make sense. It doesn't have to make sense okay, to Okay, the funny. glass eye. The glass eye. What the hell is with the glass eye? Glass eye. A glass eye was one of the three items found in the aero station by the Tailies. It was discovered inside a box along with a Bible and a radio transmitter. The only person on the island known to have lost an eye was Mikhail. However, it was later revealed that Mikhail's right eye was completely scarred over, which presumably precluded him from having use for a glass eye. An artificial eyeball, said to be the world's first, was found in excavations in the ancient Mesopotamian burnt city. Also found at this location was an ancient backgammon set, as mentioned by Locke in Pilot Part 2. 
So were they trying to say, like, it was one of the idiot twins? I don't know. That's what I call, like, the two, like, forefathers of the island, the Mm -hmm. idiot twins. In the May 12, 2006 podcast, Damon and Carlton field a question about the glass eyeball. No clear information is revealed, but they joke at length about this and other prosthetics found on the island. See, I think it's also, like, I don't think it necessarily has to mean anything. Like, there are caches of weird stuff all around this island, and we know that there's been, like, a rotating human presence as long as well as a consistent human present or demi And like psychological experiments and mess. Like they yeah. could have just stuck that crap in there. Like someone could have gotten really high and been like, oh my God, you know, it'd be funny. And then just like put all this stuff in there. And we also know that we've got like shipwrecks that are constantly, like this is an island that's constantly dealing with shipwrecks. It stands to reason that a merchant ship came in at some point and, you know, had a glass eye. Like, it's, there are a million ways a glass eye could get onto the island. I think they really did just put it in that box to be like, the the radio, (gasps) the eye, the Bible. Oh my god. What? What? Okay, I'm on the theories page, which is like one of my favorite places to be. So like, none of this is like... Canon. Canon or anything. This is just people on Lostpedia saying. Yeah. Some people... Like, a lot of things are like, oh, it's Mikhail's because blah, blah, blah. Yeah. But this one isn't really interesting. Someone says, what if it's Radzinski's? Because the glass eye was found together with a missing splice of the Swan Orientation film. It is likely that it belongs to the person who, according to Kelvin, removed the splice. Huh. Radzinski still has both of his eyes in 1977, but something could have happened over the next several years that caused him to lose one. Another one is... Is it a possible reference to see no evil, speak no evil, hear no evil, with the eye representing see, the Bible representing speak, and the radio transmitter representing hear? Could be very, although, maybe if it is that, it's the, it's the turning off of the hear no, see no, speak no evil. Right. Because that, oh, okay. that's actually, in the same way I said, like, I think that actually hear no, see no, speak no, folds in with what I said about, like, the three, there are three ways of yeah. communication yeah. in that box. There's seeing. There is speaking with the radio and there's arguably knowing with the Bible if you're going with the metaphor of like the Bible being a font of knowledge and a way of a roadmap to how to proceed with your life. You have, you know, hear no, see, no, speak, no evil in a box and it removes the blockers she's got about Goodwin. You guys, freaking Lost is such a freaking trip. Okay, listen to this one. The mural in the swan hatch is a clue because there's an image of a man with his left eye missing and crossed out. And then somebody said, as the mural shows both concrete and abstract concepts, the crossed out eye may be more indicative of spiritual blindness rather than the removal of an eye, especially considering that one is white and one is black. I'm like, guys, who's coming up with this garbage? I love it. <laughs> it's although, too it's too deep, but I it's like I love it anyway. You know what's ironic yes. though? Is that actually like folds in to the whole idea of the hear no speak see no speak no because like Totally. I mean, and this again goes back to like a more kind of like mythological thing of like the hero finds, you know, a glass eye or like a magic speaking something or whatever and it's able to strip away the glamours that they have had laid upon them and now they can see the truth like that's a very traditional thing in folklore is like collecting the magic objects that allow you to find the thing or see the thing or know the thing and until you collect those objects you can't see through another one here is that 
Analysia asks, like, did Bernard see you out there? And that's why you were out there. No, Ben actually told him to get there. Another uh, a continuity error sort of thing that we have a problem here is that she's like, you showed up 10 minutes afterwards. And Ben says, Tale of Two Cities, that it'll take him around an hour to Yeah. Get so The only thing I can... Yeah, but you said something about him driving, so that's pretty chill. Like, where did he... The only thing I can think of there is, like... Did they have cars? Yeah, they've got they've got cars. Yeah, yeah. Ben and his people. Oh, right. uh, do they still have cars? As far as they I know, yes. Cars? We st- we see some vehicles okay. in the compound, and they use one at one point. So we know oh, right. we know that they have some sort of wet vehicular transport. Like it seems like they're not using them very much, but we've seen them in the present. Okay, and we know we have they have like a submarine and stuff. Yeah, we know they have that. So I I I like I think honestly that's just like a continuity like dialogue mistake, like the two hours yes. versus six yeah. hours kind of thing where sometimes that just slips through. Yeah. But also I'll buy that Goodwin could get there reasonably fast if they have like a Jeep and a track they know like where it mm-hmm. is. Like, okay, fine. I'm willing to gloss past that. I don't really like I'm not gonna get hung up on it. Yeah. That's everything right. that I have. Was I gonna? S- yeah, I'm good. The only thing I was gonna say is, it makes me sad watching this episode and how awesome Libby and Anna Lucia are. Like, I'm mm, just like, ah, uh-huh. oh, knowing where it goes for the two of them and the lack of kind of like follow through. I I have to say, I am the fact that Anna Lucia was a corrupt cop in the sideways timeline really bothers me, and it will never stop bothering yeah. me because that is so antithetical to who they've built her. Like, even, like, Sawyer as a cop makes the same amount of sense as Sawyer as a criminal. He's still Sawyer. Yeah. Anna Lucia being a corrupt cop is not something we've ever seen any indication of. So... I think that was the writers being I think it was. I think it was just kind of a sloppy, dickish choice. And I, I, I can do the work in my head to say, well, what she needed was to find her morality again. So putting her as a corrupt cop was a way that she could grow and change and turn in and, and relieve herself of the sins of her past that she doesn't even know that she's working through. But that, that's not on the screen. You shouldn't have to do that. That's not on the screen. That's me finding a way it makes sense and I can live with it. I just think it was a sloppy choice because Mm. Especially because the corruption she's engaged in is so casual and like, you give me money, I let you go. Like, there's no, the Anna Lucia who shoots a guy because he murdered her unborn children is like, that's a different level of crooked cop. Like, let's not, that just annoyed me. It makes me sad that there's like so much potential and she never quite never quite gets like the the real focus or attention she deserves from the writers after the other 48 days. Mm-hmm. I think that's just the story of most of the female characters on Lost. Yeah, especially like, I hate to say it, but given that she is basically the only, I mean, we've got Nikki and Paolo later as the only other two Latino characters I can really think of. And like the ends mm-hmm. for Hurley. Oh, Hurley. Oh, my God. You're right. I'm so freaking stupid. Oh, my God. Hugo Reyes. Duh. Okay, so other than Hurley. Other (laughs) than Hurley. I'm, like, thinking of, like, who... And that's the other thing, too, is, like, the coding on Hurley is weird. Because they code his parents very, very, like, stereotypically Hispanic. And then Hurley, they kind of code him as white until you meet his parents, which is weird. Mm -hmm. But I think that's another thing, too, of, like, the writers just writing from a 
a perspective of like a straight white guy, which is where you don't need to make any sort of distinctions about your identity because your identity is the assumed default. It's kind of like how, you know, like people on the internet will be like, well, I don't go around thinking about how I'm white. Why do you have to go around talking about how you're black? And I'm like, well, you do. You do. You have to because people make assumptions. So it's, it, and also, like, let's be real. White people always think, like, we. I think of, like, white people, we know we're white. It's just we're the default. So we don't actually have to make any sort of, you know, like, it's like, it's like the idea that, like, having a race is not being white. You're either have a race or you're white. And white is just, like, default. So yep. it's like that kind of thing of, like, it can be easy to forget that there are different life experiences based on who you are if you're not a white guy who the world doesn't really put a whole lot of assumptions onto. Unless they're, like, making fun of you for maybe hypothetically being named Chad, in which case, cry me a river in my Twitter mentions. I don't care. <laughs> Chad. R.I.P. Chads. All right. Yeah, I think that's uh, kind of it. Okay, th- Sarah, thank you so much for giving us the Five hours! <laughs> Follow her at some other metal on Twitter. Make sure you can spell it or else you're not allowed to follow her. That's true. It's it's like yeah. a It'll riddle. It'll also be in the description, but whatever. You can't sit um, with us. Well, you can sit with you can't you can sit with us, not but you can't you sit can't with Sarah. Spell the other word. But Sarah's sitting with us, so I don't know how that's gonna work actually. I can't read, so the truth is anyone can follow me. I just didn't wanna spell it out loud and accidentally switch up letters in my head because I'm on a painkiller and spell it wrong. <laughs> straight up I Okay, that's straight up okay, I acted big like mood. I acted like a snob, but the only reason I did it is because I was afraid I wouldn't know how to spell some other metal. <laughs> You can follow me personally at Robin E. Jeffrey. That's R-B-Y-N-E-J-F-F-R-E-Y pretty much everywhere. And you can follow me on Twitter at Abritania, which is B-R-I-T-T-A-N-I-A with an underscore at the end. <sighs> Got through it. You can follow at The Aficionados on a whole bunch of places, yeah. but mostly Twitter. Yeah. And our Patreon is patreon.com slash The Aficionados. It's expensive. And Please help us. if you follow the rainbow, you'll find a pot of gold. Okay, love you. Bye. <laughs> okay, love you. Bye. I felt like I needed to add something. Love you. Bye. <laughs> Hit me.